Rivetti, what's up? I'm sorry, sir. It's just a difference of opinion that got out of hand. What about? It's really too silly to talk about, sir. I'd rather just forget about... I don't give a damn about what you'd rather forget about. Why were you two fighting? Well, I said that the Kirby Silver Surfer was the only real Silver Surfer. And that the Mobius Silver Surfer was shit. And Benefield's a big Mobius fan. And things got out of hand. I pushed him, he pushed me. I lost my head, sir. I'm sorry. Rivetti, you're a supervisor. You can get a commission like that. I know it, sir. You're 100% right. It's never happened again, It right? better not happen again. I see this kind of nonsense, I'm gonna write you up. You understand? Do you understand? Yes, sir. You have to set an example, even in the face of stupidity. Now, everybody that reads comic books knows that Kirby Silver Surfer is the only true Silver Surfer. Now, am I right or wrong? <laughs> You're right, sir. All right. Get out of here. Yes, sir. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, D-Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. folks we're back live and direct this is a grindhouse broadcast uh, we had kind of sort of a grindhouse show on wednesday but this is the real grindhouse sometimes we skip skip things around sometimes we preempt so that's one of the reasons why we had to do i guess a catch-up show more or less for the wednesday broadcast which is normally as our listenership knows is a midweek in review show anyway unfortunately we have a few folks out. We have Claire Linnae. She's very, very busy. You know, she, she also uh, does double duty as an actress. So um, she's busy, but she will catch up with us eventually. Um, but, of course, she has our thoughts and impressions with her. Uh, and Daryl, who's to say? <laughs> uh, listeners know that for a, a brief spell, Daryl, because of, because of, of uh, having a – uh, an employment situation because of work, essentially. He is on our Wednesday show. So he, when his schedule is, is, is open, he can come in on the, the Grindhouse Sunday show. And he may, he may actually peep his head in. You never know. So it's, it's yours truly, Debert, a.k.a. the Afro Nerd, and, of course, Captain Kirk. 
So we'll we'll get we'll get through this. We we are professionals, not a big deal. Folks, you know the drill as well. The call in number is six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Again, six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. Per usual, quite a few things to get into. So let's get to our herb alt, black rock and roll, psychedelic soul, black indie groove. I played this cup before. I really like it. Nicole Willis, still got a way to fail. Still got a way to fail. We'll be right back, folks. Let's groove. up against our will to the very extreme, living beyond our means, and indulging in the popular dreams that the supersized lies will make us believe, cause we're all in this together, and the ones that fall down will grapple at the hems of those still standing, avalanche of the man and woman buried beneath the frozen sea of pain, who's the game? Nobody gonna save you. Credit alone to resting you on the phone till your message box is full, full to the brim. How can we begin again? It's a strain to maintain the kind of life we're living. Eat not, what not, and not to be seen. Attacking the very being with starvation. Emulation of the mythical streams of consciousness.
All right, all right, all right. Folks, I figure I'd let that groove ride a little bit. Once again, the mighty Nicole Willis still got a way to fall. Uh, let's get into this. Ca- uh, Captain, you're needed on Rigel 25, as always. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Okay, I'll be ephemeral here. All right? That last Black Lightning, I was going to say <laughs> something else. But that last Black Lightning show episode was actually pretty good. It's pretty good. That's why you have to be careful with this episodic TV. I've seen it go many different ways, many different ways. Sometimes these shows are terrible, then all of a sudden they start to get good. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and sometimes the show starts off very well, then it just tanks, you know. 40 deuce, like like a 40 deuce. So you just have to watch it. But to me, that was the best episode thus far. I actually liked that episode. I didn't like a lot of the other episodes. You know, some of them were all right. thought the first episode was terrible, but that was a good episode. I like that. It's looking good. It's shaping up nicely. Still early, though. Back over to you, Afro Nerd. Yeah, and again, folks, you know the drill by now. If you'd like to join in on our conversation, because we have callers on hold, and sometimes they're listening via their smartphones, their cars, and what have you. But if you'd like to join in, just press 1. It's like a virtual hand raise. If you press 1, that way we know that you want to join in on the conversation. Again, it's 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. All right. Um, a few things. One, business. You know, at, at the prompting of our listenership, the Afro-Nerd machine to excel, we were, said, we were told, hey, you know, you guys need to really get your Patreon account up and running. So that's exactly what we've done, and we need your support. Uh, simply go to patreon.com, P-A-T, P is in Peter, A is in Apple, T is in Tom, R-E-O-N.com, backslash Afro Nerd Radio. I put a link in the chat room, and if you'd like to help us in our in our efforts to actually expand and expound the Afro Nerd Radio machine. I mean we're talking about having a visual element, um, you know, actually using the technology to, to so you can see not only ourselves but also the lovely Claire Linnae by way of the of the left coast. We can do that. If you want, you know, your media, at least this this faction of of media, black media, media of color, to expand where we talk about things beyond the menstrual stuff. I mean, listen, there's plenty of media machines out there that talk about just nonsense. When we're, when we're actually trying to really uh, provide an alternate means to disseminate alternate media. We're talking about some of this new music that's out here that, you know, we know about it. We, we play these jams, but, you know, Charlemagne the God and his crew, he's not going to do that. That's not what they're about. They're about pushing the same old, same old. Uh, these, these writers and artists 
you know, the great David Walker, um, we were trying to get him on the show. You know, David Walker is a longtime, longtime supporter of the Afro Radio Machine. You know him as a prolific writer, comic book writer, graphic novelist. Uh, he's done Luke Cage as well as Cyborg, as well as Shaft. And he just sent me a DM because we reached out to try to get him on. And he'll do it, definitely. But uh, he and our, our stalwart listener, John Hutton, both of those gentlemen are at, are at uh, Seattle. The Emerald City Comic Con is going on even as we speak. Shout out to them. So that's where they are right now. So I would assume probably in the next week or so we'll have David Walker uh, back in, in, in the fold. I, I definitely want to hear his thoughts about what's happening with uh, some of the properties that he has written about, obviously, for Marvel and DC, and also just this whole new and expanded blurred vision. Um, the New York Times recently wrote a piece about, uh, I think it was entitled, in a jo- jocular way, it was entitled Revenge of the Black Nerd, because of what's happening with Black Panther and Black Lightning and all these other properties, A Wrinkle in Time, is a lot going on. Uh, Ta-Nasi Coates, he's writing Captain America as well as Black Panther. So, I mean, there's a lot of content for for and by and about people of color, black folks specifically. So, anyway, let, let's, we have a lot to get into. First up, let's, let's talk about um, – this is, this is kind of a, uh, a longstanding – property that's been that's been talked about we've been wishing for it to come come true in a way i mean many of us who remember the lee majors property the bionic man six million dollar man no one thought that in the 70s that six million dollars was really a little a tad too low to to create a fully functional cyborg being so uh, they've upped the ante because of inflation i suspect to six billion dollar man so allegedly the $6 billion man property is going to be helmed by – well, I don't know if Weinstein's still connected to it. One of the Weinsteins was – his name was connected to it. But uh, Mark Wahlberg of Transformers fame, Marky, Marky Mark, uh, he purportedly will be the $6 billion man. So I don't know what to think about that. Uh, it's, allegedly, it's, it's slated for a 2019 summer release. I mean, listen, Hollywood will never – Give up the addiction. I think that's what it is, too. The addiction to reboots and rehashes. Um, BSG, Battlestar Galactica, did quite well with its reimagining. And even that, which was, uh, I think, uh, maybe on NBC, or was it, it was supposed to be on NBC, but it, it ended up on Sci-Fi Network, and now there's still talk that that might actually be some kind of, some kind of movie. I don't know if it's going to be connected to the sci-fi deal, which would make it a third reboot or a second reboot, I should say, but um, about Mark Wahlberg and how this is kind of being steamrolled ahead with a, a $6 billion man movie. I almost think $6 billion is too low. for it should Maybe $60 billion man. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to have a, any sense of a reality – to, to build a fully functional cyborg where uh, you know, a person was, is, is damaged beyond recognition and you have to replace an eye and legs and a hand where they're almost indistinguishable from your, your natural body part. And then on top of that, it's super powered. I mean, this is all fiction. 
but I don't even know if six billion is is you know six million sounds goofy. Six million is is, is you know it's a, a ninety nine cent store man. <laughs> but six billion, I mean, what are your thoughts about this whole premise? Marky Mark even doing it, how it's steamrolling into two thousand nineteen. Well, you know, Marky Mark was petitioning for this for a long time, so that that helps somewhat. You know, the, the actor really wants to do the role. But I don't like him for it. I don't. I, I really don't like him for it, though. You know, at, at first glance, I'm like, nah, you're, you're not really the guy for this. Someone like the individual from Transporter, that would have been good. What's his name? Jason, was it Statham or Straight whatever? Him. Straight him. Straight him. Straight him. Yeah, Jason Straight Straight him, right. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'd have been more amped up for him. If he was doing it, you know. But uh, Marky Mark, eh? I don't, I don't, you know, eh? Meh, meh. I don't have anything against him. But I just don't think he works for this, you know. I, I just don't think he works for this. But hey, what do I know? Time will tell <laughs> when, when it comes to that. Now, as far as Hollywood with a reboot, they look at it like this: it's a better educated guess. That's really what they're doing with these movies. You know, it's an educated guess. That's the reality of it. And, you know, from an educated guess standpoint, it was built in the newest sphere. A lot of people, they had a lot of viewers at the time. You know, a lot of people grew up watching it. A lot of people also like to relive their childhood. You know, so it brings back memories. I don't know how much the younger generation who did not watch this, who doesn't know anything about this, will really be interested and seeing this, you know, so that's what they're doing with that. It's just, it's just an educated guess with their reboots and things of that nature. One thing I give Hollywood, and I'll say, when a movie comes out one time, and then you come back with the sequel within two to three years, chances are the sequel does good within relative time. That they have, they they have that down pretty well. Everything else is just an educated guess. It should work. Maybe it should work. I don't know. We take the top-notch actress, or you can't call him that anymore, actor on that side, who is a woman, and we take the top-notch male, you know, actor, and put them together, and then we do a reboot. It should work. But as we know, sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> That's what they're doing there. I, uh, uh, it comes out. I probably will go see it, though, because it was part of my childhood. And even before Six Million Dollar Man, before I got that, I had something known as Atomic Man. See, I'm showing my age there (laughs) with that. So I was very much into the mythos, very much into the mythos. So I probably will go ahead and see it after that. Back over to you. Let me give a little bit bit more information about what's going on. Again, folks, you're listening to the Grindhouse podcast uh, some of our team members are out, but they will be returning at some point. Uh, our left coast correspondent, Claire Lene, uh, she's just straight up busy. <laughs> you know, that happens. So uh, she'll catch up at some point. Of course, that'll be he may or may not peep his head in for this broadcast. But now because of his own scheduling issues, he's more on the midweek and review side of the game. Anyway, uh, if you'd like to join in, I see some numbers are present on our boards. If you'd like to join in on the on the discourse, we're talking about this specific reboot, but there are there are a number of reboots at play. 
But uh, for obvious reasons, I mean, listen, this is a nerd slash blurred slash nerd of color podcast, and many of us remember fondly uh, Lee Majors as the $6 million man. And uh, if you'd like to join join in to discuss, feel free, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Just to give more information, Warner Brothers is behind this. So, you know, Warner Brothers has its own issues with just trying to get their other super-powered properties off and running. You know, we're talking about, of course, the Batman, the Superman, the Batman versus Superman. That didn't quite work out. Suicide Squad, I mean, well, let me, re- let me re- retract that or rephrase it. Financially, some of that stuff kind of sort of was, was uh, able to – it was survivable. You know, they're not doing Black Panther numbers. I think Black Panther is approaching 900 million even as we speak. And the Justice League folks would have wished to get numbers at least similarly or north of that. So anyway, um, Warner Brothers is pushing this. They're looking at May 31st, 2019. May 31st, you know, May is, is uh, around the time that Marvel puts out their stuff. I think that might be around the time that uh, Captain Marvel comes out. Anyway, we have that. Um, uh, as I said, uh, Mark Wahlberg is playing the character. I don't know if Weinstein's still connected to it. You know, Bob Weinstein's name, he's the, the, the brother of Harvey Weinstein. You know, they co-founded the Weinstein Company. So you may not want that name attached to this new project. And, you know, I'm hesitant to say if Wahlberg is is or is not a good fit for this role because you know he does have name recognition obviously he's had a number of hits under his belt um and and also simply you know we we've, we've made these predictions before and we failed as to who we thought wasn't going to be a good fit for a particular film and then they end up knocking it out the box the only issue is that we are dealing with a certain kind of of uh, audience. You know, the millennials seem to have um, an issue with this nostalgia. You know, for folks, let's say, 35 plus, who can remember some of these things, you know, they're not going to have a problem with it. You know, um, Ready Player One is all about nostalgia, and that looks like it might be you know, there might be a trajectory for that film to do well. Spielberg's Ready Player One. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but you still hear folks that could care less. They kind of have antagonism towards this kind of stuff, unless it's good. See, that's the irony. Uh, Battlestar Galactica was a 70s property, but it was radically improved, radically different than the Lauren Green property from the 70s. So if they come in differently, with this six billion dollar man, I don't even know if they should call it a six billion. I think they should just call it a bionic man, because when you start dealing with the numbers, if this were to be a reality, and, and listen, we do have cyborgs walking around. Let me let me let me be more specific. You know, we are we are already seeing that there's been advancements with we may. I, I want to see. I don't even want to say may. We will see this kind of thing working itself into. 
uh, our daily living because it's already happening. It's already happening. Let's go to the phones. I think our friend from Philly is in full effect. Q-Storm, what's up, man? Podcastjuice.net, folks. Podcastjuice.net. And, of course, the red shirts. Check them out. Well, you know, um, I I heard you talking about – I just clicked in, dialed in. I heard you talking about $6 billion man. And it just reminded me of – you know, Daryl and I, we were on it at at Twitter talking about Star Trek. And Star Trek is a beloved property uh, of mine. And I can tell you that uh, $6 million man, I grew up with that. Okay. I wanted to be Steve Austin as a young kid. Uh, I remember being disappointed when my third grade teacher or whatever grade I was in told me that bionics aren't real, (laughs) you know? So this is a property. (laughs) Say that again? So better think again. (laughs) Well, that's true. Bionics are very real. That's the irony. I used to. As a, Very real. as a kid, I I used to run in slow motion and make the sounds. And me and my friends, you know, there was I would be Steve Austin and the other guy would be the seven million dollar man Barney. I can't remember his last name, but I remember a, my friend used to be Bigfoot and we would six million dollar man is my ish. Okay, I have the box set. I paid three hundred dollars for that joint. So when they tell me that they're casting Mark Wahlberg, I already know what this is. Okay, and uh, you know. I I, I'm not I'm not taking them seriously that they're gonna give that they really give a crap about that movie. To them, I think it's gonna be like a Starsky and Hutch remake with uh what's his name? Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller. Uh it'll be it, uh the Brady Bunch remake. It'll it'll be because 'cause they're gonna put it in the seventies. So you're gonna have the fashion and the hairstyles. So it's gonna be a comedy. And I believe the original concept was gonna star Jim Carrey. So and this is yeah, going back years, yeah. That's so correct. I know where they are with this, and I'm not I'm not happy with it. It's just a film, not the end of the world. But yeah, I, you know, I'm not taking them seriously with this. Not uh, too, but you understand, it's part of your childhood, though. You know, so it, it it just as you said, it's just a film, but it matters though, because at times we like to relive that aspect, and we want sure. it set up a certain way. Even if it's just for a day. <laughs> you know, or weekend, you get back to your regular dealings with life. You know, so yeah, it's just a film, but it does matter to a certain extent. You know, back to you, Affinard. Well, you know, something else, the irony is that there was a bionic woman series. I'm pretty sure, you know, for the uh, yeah. for those with the with intrepid minds, they could actually find this thing on on the cyber webs. I thought it was actually quite good. And just when I thought it was pretty good, except that Isaiah Washington, you know, when he had his troubles with Gray's Anatomy, you know, he had said something untoward one of his castmates. And then there was, you know, there was a whole you talk about me, too. That was maybe a precursor to, you know, to things that we see now. And he was able somewhat to rebound a little bit by getting in on this Bionic Woman show, which was made from the same people. That BSG that was responsible for Battlestar Galactica, so I was I was into it because it was done as serious sci-fi, but it didn't you know it was on it was on Channel Four number one it was NBC because NBC and sci-fi are you know their parent they're under the parent company of NBC Universal uh, from if I remember correctly, and um, you know some of this stuff just doesn't pan out well for NBC. I mean we see now that some of this pop culture stuff. 
it's better off on the CW, better off on Sci-Fi, better off on Fox to a lesser degree. But I thought it was a pretty good series, but it didn't catch on, and also it, it, it's not where we are now. Where we are now might have even done better. So hopefully the $6 billion man, that they will treat it seriously. I, I uh, remember just what Q was saying, that you know Jim Carrey was attached to it. There was talk of it being a comedy, and I was groaning. I said, okay, come on. You know, when, when, well, go ahead, Q. Uh, well, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I was going to say, I don't know if any of you guys, I mean, I'm really going to uh, pull out my geek card now. I don't know if any of you guys remember, but uh, in the early 90s, I want to say circa 92, 93, there was a show starring Cela Ward. It was called Once and Again, and it started a character actor whom, if you saw him back in the day, you'd know him instantly. And he played a character that was similar to uh, Steve Austin. He was in an accident. He was given oh, augmented body parts, that. and he was also given a new identity. But the thing is, same thing with that as with Bionic Woman, they were trying to cater to a younger crowd. The, the, the once and again, yep. it was more of a soap opera than anything else, and I got bored of it. And Bionic Woman, I don't know, it's just this young, this young woman who I had no weight. I, she was a, a youngster, a lightweight. I so, agree with you. You know, that's why these things are failing. You got to look at the original source material. It's all laid out for you. And stop trying to improve on it. I, I didn't like Bionic Woman because her bionics were some kind of nanites or something like that. It wasn't electronic, or it wasn't you know um, electronic parts. It was some sort of gel nanites. Or something. I, I didn't. I didn't buy it. So stop trying well, to improve that's, on something that's, that's already a success. Well, because the reason why they went that route, if you watch all of those, you know, Bionic Man, Bionic Woman, when they dealt with. Uh, Bigfoot, and then when you had Sandra Bullock come in and do those episodes, that oh was oh my natural... god, those are so terrible. <laughs> yeah, but that was the natural progression of the power source from the original bionics over to that. That's why they went that way. Wow, you know, so they're trying to stay with the source. Going if it's straight bionic is actually going back. You know, you gotta look at that Sandra Bullock episode. <laughs> didn't want to do the effects. The sound effects I didn't even like with any of that. <laughs> you know? Didn't he have a son that could shoot a laser out of his eye? <laughs> yeah, yep, 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 yep. That's the natural progression. You Sometimes know? you should and go back. Show, you should go back. <laughs> yeah, with with the, with that show, you have to even the sound effects that they had on that show, which you know, Steve, when Lee Majors talks about, was actually we were just trying to figure it out as it went along. You know, <laughs> you know that it worked out. And it made it look very powerful. Slowing it down made it look more powerful. Because as he says, Mr. Lee Majors, that when they first sped it up, it looked like Keystone Cops. And he said, okay, we can't do it this way. It's going to look too corny. Let's slow it down. He said it became more powerful. Then we played around with sound effects. And even the music that they had, you know? You hear when he jumps down from something, and then doom, 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 all of that. It, it added to the power. So when you get to the Sandra Bullock. Go ahead, Cap. <laughs> <So when, laughs> yeah. You know, all of that there. Yeah. All of that there. When you got to the Sandra Bullock, even though they, they improved the power source, they didn't have any of that. So you're like, what the hell is going on, man? This this is just like a soap opera. This is foolishness. And, 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 Cap. Days of, yeah. 
And other thing is, and Alphonor, I expect you to back me up on this because we talked about this on Twitter. If you're going to cast that role of $6 million, billion man, you better get someone who knows the art of how the body moves when you're running because Steve Austin yeah, was true. the man at that. Steve looked good at it. He looked let, real let, good at it. <laughs> let, let, me, let me expand on that a little bit let me, and give some information to the audience. Um, that particular show, because I actually was into that show, that, John Goodman was in that show you're referencing, Q. And what happened, you know, you know so I'm going to have to look at it again, but something happened, he had an accident, and then he was rebuilt, and he ended up being the actor, played by a younger actor, uh, Eric, Eric Close. Eric Close. But the, 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 I can't believe it's been that long ago. Well, I mean, time is really flying. Ooh. I mean, we're, we're approaching yeah. like, it's literally got, what, 20 years now almost, in theory? I mean, this thing was 1999, 2000. And I remember it. Uh, well, I just can't believe that much time has passed. Anyway, the name of the series was Now and Again. And Dennis Haysburg yep. was in it. Okay. And it was, a, it was kind of – it definitely channeled, channeled this um, uh, $6 billion man kind of thing. Uh, yeah, Now and Again. It was on CBS and it only ran for one season, 22, 22 uh, episodes. It was nineteen ninety nine. I thought it was. I thought it was earlier than that. It was nineteen ninety nine. It was ninety nine. Well, you know, listen. Earlier than that, nineteen ninety nine is nineteen years ago. Okay, I just say I don't because that's I moved to New York in ninety seven. I don't remember watching it then, but I guess I did. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it now. It was September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety nine, to May fifth, two thousand. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Time is just flying. Time is just flying. You know, somebody born in nineteen ninety nine is in college. Anyway, uh, so I, so when you're talk, when you were talking about um, the running, there's probably two great cinematic runners. One is Wesley Snipes when he was running on that train on um, uh, U.S. Marshals. And they two, said that wasn't him though. Uh, listen, I I was so that, uh, taken over by that running sequence that I even looked at it, and maybe it wasn't him. You know, it, maybe it was uh, you know movie magic, but it looked like him. You know, yeah. it was. Uh, well, that's what they say. I don't know, but that's what they say. So I mean, you know, him. listen, Wesley is in shape. At least but it looks then. good. It looks good though. It, it, looks it good. listen. It looked the way he was supposed to look, but the way the way mm-hmm. he ran, and the way that Lee Majors ran, and even you know, uh, it, it, he talked about how he had to practice that run. Like that was there was there was some thought. Because the way, he ran with conviction. I mean, that, yep. that running sequence, that running, I mean, that guy looked like, as I said on the street, black folks don't run, they book. He was booking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? All right? That's like, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be straight up to the audience. There's just certain things that black folks are about, <laughs> and running is it. Like, the, the, how you run is very important. And that, that's one of the things that screwed me up with when I saw Ezra Miller running Toward the end of Justice League, he ran like like he had a conniption. I mean, this, the Flash has got to <laughs> the Flash has got to run like Steve Austin. I'm sorry. I mean, that, there's just certain things that are just that just bespeak of failure. But the, yeah. the way that Steve Austin ran was classic, man. Nobody ran like oh, for, yeah. I didn't want to say for a white man. That man ran like he was a runaway slave. I'm can sorry. I can I just say, um, uh, you know, there were uh, like I didn't know I had a lot of. I didn't know I had a couple six million dollar man fans here. So I just wanted to say, um, 
there were a few episodes where Steve Austin teamed up with Jamie Summers. Yeah, and yeah. Lindsay Wagner, the actress, said she was she was nervous as hell doing those scenes where they were running together because she could not imp- – <laughs> She could not uh, mimic, what's the word I'm looking for, implement or execute on the same level as Lee Majors. So she was, she really hated running alongside him because she knew she couldn't keep up with him. Look, we're going to go into something else because we could we could be up to a whole show on the six million dollar man. But oh, I mean, you think about the merchandising. I mean, see, see, when you think about where we are today as far as pop culture. All that stuff, it, it, it just it's, it's a mountain of things, a mountain of pop culture going back 50 years. Um, when we think about, you know, we give a lot of credit to Star Wars when it comes down to movie merchandising, but it really, really is a progression when you think of uh, the Planet of the Apes series. The Planet, the Planet of the Apes franchise had a lot to do with where we are today. Um, and, and obviously the, 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 uh, the dolls with the bionic eye and all that kind of stuff, Stuff that you probably yep. can't even afford right now. Mascotron, yeah, baby. Mascotron. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, we, you know it, it, this, this stuff, see, now we're, we're in kind of the, the, as they would tell us, and I'm not going to really dis- discredit it, but we are in a renaissance. You could say it's a blurred renaissance, you know, because that's, that's at play also. But, uh, you know, G- the black G.I. Joe, all that stuff, you think about how expensive it was before. Now with the, all these conventions, conventions afoot, Hell, even the fact that some of our, our, our major players, the John Huttons and David Walkers, shout out to them. I had mentioned at the top of the show, speaking about pop culture, they're at Emerald City Comic Con even as we speak. So pop culture and Comic Con and merchandising is, at, a, is at, its, at its height right now. It's at its height right now. But if you're, if you're going to do a $6 billion man, and I'll cut it, at, cut it from here, they got to be serious. And I don't know about – I don't want to keep on calling them Marky Mark, but Warner Brothers, they seem not to understand how this works, and I'm confused by it. Marvel is on their A game. They seem to know how this works. This is an emotional content world we are in right now. Uh, myself, the captain, you just heard from Q-Storm, and there, there are others. We have a motion, an emotional connection to Steve Rogers. Oh, just yeah. how that man runs. Listen, every once in a while, I'll go to YouTube and just and just l- listen to the music and look at him run. No lie. You said Steve Rogers. <laughs> you said well, you Steve know, Rogers. Steve, Captain Steve Major. Same, same white yeah. man. Steve <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> Major. Wow. Steve <laughs> Major. Same unbelievable well, white man. Y'all put unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Impossible, impossible white man. Yeah, those are the those are the few um, impossible white man moments that I will allow, because you yeah. can't discredit them. Lee Majors, that's Steve Rogers. Lee Majors running is nah, man. But shout out to and Tom I, Cruise too. Tom Cruise is he, he's no slack either. Yeah, yeah, he it look, looks good. It's not as good as Lee Majors though, but it looks good. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you you know he's full of it. Yeah. How tall is Lee Major? Is Lee Major at least six foot? No, I don't think he's that tall. I think he's like five, look, five ten. But he's, he's taller than Tom Cruise, man. Yeah, Tom Cruise is come like, on. come on. You know, he, yeah. he has to, you know, he, it says he has six feet. You know, Hollywood can lie to you. Okay. Yeah, because I've seen him. <laughs> you know, he was, I was taller than him. You know, so uh-huh. I, I give him five ten. 
you know, and I'm usually not the kind of person. I'm not the kind of person to get into height and all that kind of stuff. But you know, in, in this in, in this current realm, people pay attention to like your build and what you look like and all that kind of thing. But you you need to have some physical presence when you're running. And you know, you at times you can kind of look at Tom Cruise. Okay, this is this is a little guy. You know. Eh. <laughs> wow. He's <laughs> right though. Steve looks like he should be doing that thing. You know, yeah, man, thing. come on. You know, we know Oscar Goldman was a better actor, though. But, you know, that, that goes without saying. But Steve looked like he was doing the thing. Afro Nerd is 62220. I'm running with authority. I'm coming. Come on, man. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> the truth hurts. This is good. This is good, boy. Some tiny Negro running. Some. Uh, so who had, who had the dial? Who had, who had the dial of Lee Majors with the eye thing, where you could look through the eye? I had it. The red, the red jumpsuit with the red suit with the red suit. Yeah. I had that joint. <laughs> yeah. See. Does any Does anyone want to see Kevin Hart running in a movie versus uh, The Rock? You know, it's yeah. different. The Rock. If the Rock is running. You know, and matter of fact, it's another thing too. Since we're since we're, we're post Black Panther, they they gotta stop getting these. Uh, again, Marky Mark, I think, is the same height as Tom Cruise. See, already the effery is starting when I start to <laughs> dig in. When I start to dig dig in deep, Marky Mark is a short dude. All right, uh, you know, no. If we want to put six billion dollars into somebody, you put it into the Rock. You know, dark enough <laughs> as a character. Okay, the Rock oh, looks man. like the Rock already. The Rock already looks like he's built like a $6 billion person. Oh, Those yeah. paychecks, man. You see, you see no, that guy running? Come on. In a post-Panther world, I want to see Idris Elba or someone of that caliber. That's what I want to see. <laughs> we know why. I said it. I said it. <laughs> Dude, I, I, should start, I should stop calling you Q and start calling you Hugh. Listen, oh, you can, if, I, if I'm a, listen, if I'm a white suit in Hollywood and I see Black Panther about to touch the needle going into the nine hundred million dollar mark, I'm calling people in Compton, Camden, South Philly. Oh, okay. If you can act, get your here ass over go. here. Here okay. we go. Okay. I would leave Compton alone. I see. <laughs> yeah, just, here we go. <laughs> You better, you you better know go to Liberty City. Liberty City too. <laughs> you better go to you better go Florida. to Prince George's. You better go to Prince George's where they got middle class Negroes. I, I would stay away from Compton. Anyway, you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta be careful. Anyway, oh man, please. Doom, doom, doom. Um, <laughs> speaking speaking of se- another '70s property, and uh, there's there's actually a Richard Pryor connection to this thing, jokingly. But not so jokingly. Maybe he was uh, ever pressing it. Logan's Run there as well. Now, these, some of these have been in development hell for years. Now, Logan's Run was interesting wow. because Logan's Run was interesting because, well, first of all, if you look if you look back at Logan's Run, I think Logan's Run came out around '76. Um, the things that you could get away with back then, you know, a, a lot of sexuality, a lot of sexiness. You know, women wearing, you know, just, uh, I mean, I forgot the actress's name, but I just saw a, a picture of her. And again, this is like 40 years ago. But, you know, these, this very revealing outfits because that was, uh, again, another dystopic future where you're not allowed to live beyond 30. 
we're almost there now. Somebody, that's what the, the funny thing about science fiction is. Science fiction is more about science, science fact. But yes, if you, if you, once you were approaching 30, you were retired. And I'm not talking about giving a severance package. You were, you were done for. So Michael York, if I remember correctly, was one of the major – Was the, one of, I guess he was Logan, if I remember correctly. And uh, the great Roscoe Lee Brown was a android, a robot in this thing. And many have – I think I've said this before. Many have likened uh, his role as kind of a nefarious robot in Logan's run as being instrumental in um, Darth Vader – the Darth Vader and and um, James Earl Jones connection. So, you know, this science fiction stuff has a lot of tentacles, a lot of connections. But to the listening audience who may not know or remember Logan's Run, again, a dystopic, a dystopic society. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think I think the 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 this society, the citizens had this this thing that was in their palms, like this jewel that was grafted in their palms. And the palm was red, but but you know as time goes on, if that palm, if that jewel in your palm that was embedded in your palm turned white, that was time for you to go. They would basically have some kind of ceremony, and the ceremony just was just a mask to get rid of you. They just did not allow for you to turn thirty. And Logan, the character Logan by Michael York was kind of like this this uh, enforcer, like a police force. And the police force also was subject to this to this rule. So at some point, he decided to run, hence Logan's run. He and a female compatriot, and I think both of them were basically closing in on 30, and they, they were able to get outside of this protected society. And toward the end, almost like uh, Planet of the Apes, they discover what looks to be like the ruins of – the White House, and they see an elderly person for the first time. They encounter this elderly dude, and he had white hair, I and mean, he was old, older. And they, were, they looked at him, they never saw an older person before, and he looked at him in wonderment. So, I mean, I always had some fondness for this film, uh, but again, you know, this is a new order. That was the order. best episode, the episode you talk about. Well, that was a movie. Well, go ahead. Yeah, well, I know. That, that was the best one. Well, let, let me let me rephrase that. It was a movie that was a series at some point. Also, there was a, it was a short-lived series, a, a Logan series. If I'm not mistaken. Just like there was a short a short-lived uh, Planet of the Apes TV series. Also, so um, how they would interpret that for 2019, 2020, I'm intrigued. But you you can't take this source material lightly if you're going to you know, update it, improve it. You 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 know, you got to have a script doctor, something. I don't want I don't want this stuff. You know, listen, this was B B movie status, and we're gonna, we're going to talk about Get Out also. Get Out has been labeled a B movie uh, to the chagrin of some folks. Um, I think it is a B movie. I, I don't I don't think that's I don't think we can't you know we can't discredit that, but it doesn't deter deter it from. Um, Pursuing uh, an Academy Award, some things transcend. I think what Get Out was able to do in its B movie status was rather profound. But anyway, we'll get to that. If you're going to do a, a, a um, if you're going to do a Logan's Run movie, 
I wanted to be, want it to be done right, just the same way that I would want a million dollar, six million dollar man movie to be done right. I, I don't want it to be done like cheesecake, you know. And that some it also says sometimes you can't go home again. Sometimes you sometimes exactly. something can't shouldn't be touched. I don't know. You know, people are 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 uh, speaking somewhat fondly of this. She's got to have it reboot as a TV streaming series. Um, you know, I love She's Got to Have It. You know, I, I was a big, a big Spike Lee supporter, especially during his 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 heyday. Maybe he's it looks like he's making a turnaround. That happens also. Sometimes people are able to kind of re reinvent themselves. Um, but if you if you're going to update something, man, you got to be very careful. You just can't do schlock and, and kind of throw it up against the wall and think that it's going to work just because it's 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 got that name. At least let it be good. Uh, what are your thoughts about a Logan's run? I give you a prime example. All right, Total Recall, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then when they redid it, that was the uh, same movie. It was yeah. it was just the technology was up a bit better. But the first one was better. Well, Arnold, so I said, oh, they don't have Arnold, so it, it doesn't work as well. You know, doesn't it just does it? It really didn't work. But you got all the updated technology, at least the way it looked, the way it was presented on screen. That part of it was all updated pretty much, you know. And that's one that I saw it. I said, I should have just left that alone, man. That was a cash grab and everything else, you know. I, 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 don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. All right, when you see, what was it, Judge Dredd, right? That's with, um, Sylvester with Stallone, uh, one of them. Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. And then, and also your boy, one. Wesley Spikes. <laughs> the update was actually, to me, was better. Well, that's Demolition Man. It was man. better than that. You're confusing. You know? that was, that was, D- Demolition Man was with Wesley Snipes. Right. Judge Dredd. Both had to both had some. That was with Stallone. Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider was in that. Right. Well, actually, you know, Judge Dredd with, with uh, Stallone actually wasn't that bad to me. I think it gets a I think he gets a bad rap, but I never did see the one with Carl. Um, what's the gentleman's name from Star Trek? Carl Urban. Hit, Carl Urban. Uh, I heard that one wasn't bad, and, and and actually, isn't there talk about them maybe revisiting that? Judge Dredd. I, I think I've heard that, but it, I think what made that one good, it, what made it good, is because it was basically Die Hard in the. You know the future. It, it all takes. It's a, a, a fishbowl story. It all takes place in a in one location in a in a high rise. Well, well, the one with Carl Carl Urban came out around six years ago, and interestingly enough, I never did. I did. I didn't see this one, but now that I'm talking about. It, I'm going to have to revisit it. But or I mean, I mean, I just have seen it. I, I need to see this one. But I'm looking at it now, and there was talk. Of a sequel potentially It says here in 2016 uh, Urban said that Conversations are happening regarding a dread continuation On streaming services Netflix or Amazon Prime In an interview in May 2016 Urban said that while the film's Mishandled marketing strategy And unfortunate box office performance Meant that it was problematic to try to make a sequel The success it has received In all post-theatrical Mediums has definitely strengthened The argument in favor of a sequel uh, it says August 2017 Urban stated he was in discussion to start in the series Yeah it says 
uh, May 2017, a, t- a television series named Judge Dread Mega City One was announced to be in development by IM Global Television and Rebellion. So it looks like – I knew that the, that the urban version of Dread was, more, was, was better received. So, I, you know, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm looking, it says uh, that this film – we've got to go by Rotten Tomatoes now. Rotten Tomatoes gave the urban version 78%. So there you go. And you know, the only th- the only reason I think people didn't like the judge, the Stallone Judge Dredd, I saw it, but I didn't know the character that well. I was familiar with it, but I, the main complaint is that he takes his mask off and his helmet off. And people that are Judge Dredd fans, it's a British property, if I'm not mistaken. They were like, he would never take off his helmet, you know. So, you know, take he that with a grain of virtual sex. <laughs> not well. Wait, no, you you're confused you're, in demol- that's demolition man again. <laughs> yeah, you're going back. I hope he's okay. <laughs> well, you know, so that's a, that's another property. I'm surprised no one went back into that. That's probably the, Dude, that's I, probably, I'd be there. Take my money. Take my money. <laughs> I will say this. You ain't supposed to say it. But that's probably the only time I thought that uh, Sandra Bullock was fine. Like that 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 particular episode. I mean that that's what that's, I think that was her. That was that her. Well, actually, six million the six million dollar series wasn't that her debut. But I remember her. I think her cinematic debut was in Demolition Man, and I thought she was very attractive in that. That's just my opinion. After that, I just I, remember. I, I remember the yoga pants. Yeah. No, I remember more than that. Not allowed, you're not allowed anyway. to say that though anymore, Afro what? But she looked good. She looked good in Miss Congeniality. <laughs> nah, that's, she's getting older, man. This is a young fresh. You can't say that. You can't say that. You know. Listen, I know why I'm not gonna go. I, you're, right. <laughs> you're right. It is what it is. New, new world order. We we can't be men anymore. <laughs> and make comments about what we see. Nope. <laughs> Funny that way. Listen, let's let's take a quick break. Um, when we come back, I actually want to get into uh, – you know, I, I want to touch on a couple of things. I do want to talk about this Get Out. I'm going to keep um, Q, Q1 as well. Um, there's some controversy with Get Out because one is the B-movie status. And listen, I don't think anyone's discounting that it was a B-movie. But it doesn't – but does it, just because something is a B-movie doesn't mean that it doesn't resonate with an audience and that it doesn't tap in to something else. Does it always have to be uh, – prepped for an academy award i mean that that's that also has some effrey attached to it but i don't i don't really care what kind of movie something is if it transcends it if it, if it connects to an audience it has uh taps onto certain themes and becomes kind of a a social study then it, so who cares but there's a little bit of a snobbery afoot with how at least that's what they're saying snobbery and racism is being levied at how the, some of the older Academy members didn't even bother to see Get Out. They didn't even see it. So that's, that's I think, what's counting against it with the other films that are, that are up for best movie. So we're, we're going to talk about that, and uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break. Um, Saul Williams, man. I'll give you about two minutes. Saul Williams, dance. We'll be right back.
the rating, you know, when it had like a 90, like 100% or something very high, automatically I said, okay, I got to take this seriously. So I, at some point I found out that it was a little bit beyond just a typical B movie. It, it, you know, we, listen, there's some themes, Stepford Wives, there's some stuff going on there. Maybe it, you could say it, it could even step into something like a Twilight Zone episode. It could definitely channel. I mean, hell, that's the reason why he got the gig. Speaking of Twilight Zone, uh, pur- purportedly, uh, Peel has got a deal with the CBS All Access streaming service to do his redux of the legendary Twilight Zone series. So I'm, you know, I'm intrigued, but he's got some work on his hands because we see that Black Mirror seems to be the millennial version of. Twilight Zone. If he if he can get in that territory, I'm in. I I think he's talented. But what what are your thoughts, gentlemen? Uh, let's go to Q and then I'll go to Captain. What are your thoughts about um, the, the the deal with these older Academy voters not even seeing it out? And a lot of it has to do. Some are saying that it has to do with racism. Some are saying it has to do with well, it was a B movie. Why bother? You know, th- maybe you should see the film to make that determination. I don't know. Q, what are your thoughts about the about this whole thing? I think you just I think you just in that last sentence you stole what I was gonna say, the crux of my argument. You should at least watch the movie. How can you not watch a movie that was, if I'm not mistaken, the most profitable movie of last year? Yeah, my big with with tons of buzz, how could you not watch that movie? And you know, I figured that this may be a little bit of a reach, but I figured that once um an action fantasy film like Return of the King could win an Oscar. I figured I, I figured that you know everything was going to be on the table at this point. And and I said in the Twitter that um, I thought, given the success of Moonlight, that we had gotten past all of this. I'm going to say prejudice in terms of no matter what genre of film we're talking about, if it's successful and and it has a buzz about it, it seems like people would flock to it, including. Academy voters who should be blind to any prejudice when it comes to filmmaking. So it's a surprise to me. And when you're talking about profitability, I mean, and this is what I'm seeing so far that the budget on Get Out was four point. The, the 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 Get Out on I'm sorry, the budget on Get Out was four point five million, and the box office was two fifty five million. That is, that's mm-hmm. more impressive, ratio. I think, than. That might be up there with um, the Blair Witch Project. Uh, I think Blair Witch was like $100,000 or something to that effect, and it grossed like $100 million. I mean, that's... that's what was that movie that... Um, uh, what was that movie that it was a Mexican... Or not... Was it a Mexican or Spanish filmmaker uh, that he made back in the uh, early 2000s? I want to say Robert Rodriguez. And it was it was a real hit. He made it for like five grand. Ooh. Ah, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> even I don't even know. Uh, even I'm aware of that one. Well, oh, I mean, you know the movie. If I, you know the movie. It was it was huge. It was phenomenal around the world. But I can't remember the name of it. So it wasn't twenty. And he had everybody help him out. Either way, <laughs> was it twenty? It may, I mean, yeah, it may have been. It was yeah. like, yeah, it yeah. was maybe it was twenty. Yeah. Well, I'll say this with the. Uh, <clears throat> The Oscars, and they've been saying this since the 80s. That's what I recall. There's a lot of effery, and it's totally political. 
you have to align yourself the right way in order to get awards from them. Sometimes they miss you, then they just give you a you know, makeup award later on. So it's not a meritocracy, and they're real bad with that. They're real bad with that. That's the game that they play. That's the, and from time to time, maybe due to the fact that social media that we have going on now, they're getting caught more. They were getting caught then with that effery in the 80s. But now it's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know? That's the game they play because it's not a meritocracy over there. It's not a meritocracy. You know? This is just the game that they play. That's why you got to be careful with these award shows. So what Q was talking about, as far as Robert Rodriguez, maybe this is what he's referencing. In 92, Rodriguez did a film called El Mariachi. El Mariachi. <laughs> I knew it before and, you even said it. <laughs> yeah, he did. It, it was cost around seven grand, and it grossed $2 million. So, I mean, listen, when you deal with those kind of numbers, that is like, that, that stock, that's beyond stock market impressive. I mean, you know. Seven thousand is like you know that's 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 a, a couple of steps above filming with your uh, smartphone, and I think folks are doing that by the way, you know, which is interesting enough. I, that that I would be curious to see. I, I know there's been a few people that have done some kind of projects of note with a camera phone. So most definitely, uh, yes. You know, there are commercials think, being shot with iPhones. Listen, I think anyone, it, it, as long as the story is solid, if you have a solid story. And talented, talented artists, talented actors, you could probably pull off a number of these kind of situations. But th- 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 there has to be a synergy. You know, you just can't put some crap up, and then I mean, even though that happens too, you know, listen, uh, a- anything is possible. But I think that the the greatest, you know, the greatest, the greatest uh, chance of something succeeding would be if, hey, if you were to use, you know, a low budget kind of thing, but the talent and the story is so compelling. I would be. I would definitely be interest, interested in something like that. Well, anyway, um, here's the problem. Here's the problem, Afternoon. Yeah. Normally, when you do a low budget movie, you don't have a good, you don't have a good story, and two, you can't get talent. Talent costs. Most independent actors suck. <laughs> and Q knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> there you go from there. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. It, there's a uh, this is this piece is from the grapevine, or I think it's also part of the root. All, the root has all these interconnected. Well, it's a it's like the root, a root of a tree. They have all these little tang- entanglements with other websites. This is the grapevine slash the root, and I'll put the link in our chat room. But it, it's entitled simply "Older Academy Voters Won't Let Get Out Be Oscar Great." Haven't even watched the film. I'm gonna read a quick paragraph and then we'll move along. Uh, despite being nominated, nominated for four major Oscar awards this year, including Best Movie and Best Director, some longtime Oscar voters still haven't watched Get Out because they don't deem it Academy Award material. The news comes courtesy of a recent Vulture interview with new members of the Academy to assess how they were changing the way the broader organization thinks and operates, that is to say, who it rewards. Generally, the 14 new voters... Vulture spoke to Embrace Get Out, which one subject called the only masterpiece in the running this year. It feels good that, in my opinion, the movie of the year back years has been made by a black filmmaker showing a view of black life in America that, we, that we've really been allowed to see in mainstream culture. And I really hope this year's voting reflects that again. 
the 30-something-year-old voter added. But that sentiment wasn't shared by older members of the Academy who hadn't even watched the film, which was not only the most profitable movie of, of 2017, but among the most critically acclaimed. Uh, from, this is from Vulture, and I'll, I'll stop here. I had multiple conversations with, with longtime Academy members who were like, that was not an Oscar film, said one new voter. And I'm like, that's BS. Watch it. Honestly, a few of them had not even seen it, and they were saying, so dispelling, that kind of thing has been super important. Well, you know, listen, uh, I think you, you, you and I had this conversation on Twitter, I thought, Q, about, um, you know, just maybe it wasn't you or it might have been Sergio, or maybe it was all three of us talking about this thing. And I think a, a testament to the change is that it's even nominated. So you have to take your wins when you, when you get them. I don't know if if it will get that. Well, hell, I, what what makes Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water not be movie status? Because that's that's a pretty much a redux of the Creature for the Black Lagoon. I mean, isn't that you know, isn't that more B movie status than even Get Out? Well, Get, well, get Out is is more social commentary. And that's the thing. See, Deber. I think you could choose to look at this. I don't know which one is more apropos. You could choose to look at a, a racial prejudice, like they don't think it's going to be, they don't think it's worth looking at because of the subject matter. That's very, that's possibly very true. But I think also, to be honest, we got to keep it real. How often have you seen horror movies, any film put into that category, up for any Oscar? You know what I mean? I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think there's some transcendence going on because it it was a horror movie, but again, it dealt with racial allegory. It really wasn't the same. It was, you know, it's it, it would. They're been not going to understand that, though. We understand that. They don't get it. <laughs> but but at the same I, token, I just said that The Shape of Water is essentially uh, a reboot or redux of The Creature from the Black Lagoon. It doesn't get any more. It, it doesn't get any more B movie than that. But it wasn't posited that way. It wasn't marketed that way as a horror film. It was it was marketed as an Oscar contender when they first started marketing it. Uh, well, uh, listen, that that's a matter that uh, whether it's marketed a certain way doesn't deter it from being what it is. You know, it's a guy in a rubber suit, uh, you know, falling in love with a human. I don't know. I, I, I'm just basically I'm just thinking I'm just thinking it, it's so arbitrary. As to what is B movie, you know, it's, it's like you said. That's what it. That's what it really boils down to is that it's it's being positioned a certain way. Get Out was kind of, you know, it's like, oh wait a minute, it's it's it's, it's become more more of a racial, um, kind of a, a racial commentary or racial social commentary. And at the tail end, we've decided that oh wait a minute, this is it's become something else. It, it really it really didn't come into the game like that. Well, according to the definition, you know, if you look up B-movie, they'll tell you a B-movie film is a low-budget commercial movie, but not an art house film. That's what it starts off as. That's according to the definition. So Guillermo del Toro would not apply. You know, it's a bigger budget than uh, Get Out. Listen, That's all this what they stuff say. is all this stuff is arbitrary. You know? they just made. Of course it is. I mean, of course it's arbitrary. 
You know? It's a it's well, a moving the goalpost, as Q likes to say. <laughs> Let's move the goalposts this week. <laughs> because because you know, Sergio of all people, um, I would have I would have liked to get his impressions, but I, I got a a good inclination of what, where he was going because he was also hampering on this being a B movie. I don't think anyone's discounting it or they're, they're not saying that it's not B movie, but sometimes things mean more than its initial B movie status. I, I don't think anything you know, just because something starts out one way doesn't mean that it, it's not a social commentary at some point. Sometimes things transcend what, it, what its intentions. I think this is, the, this is the case. The fact that people use, constantly use the term uh, sunken place. I mean, hey, look, I think Black Panther transcends some things. Black Panther just wasn't a regular superhero movie. You know, it was, it was, I responded to a, 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 a tweet uh, a few days ago where this gentleman he seemed not to he seemed to think that Blade was, was more significant to him. He he preferred Blade and thought Blade was a better movie than Black Panther simply because, well, you know, Panther deals with social and racial issues. And Blade just you know, Blade didn't deal with that. And that goes into another thing, is that when when a black a black movie and that's that's the int- interesting thing about uh Black Panther. Or, any, or almost anything that 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 black people get involved in, you know, when black folks have been kind of kept out of certain spaces, when they get into it, it's not just a regular movie. The movie, by its inception, becomes something else. Black Panther was so delayed and so underestimated that it was it came into the game not like the other stuff. It had to be taken more seriously. The irony is, is that Black Panther stands alone from the other Marvel imprints. Maybe, maybe you can, you might be able to include um, Winter Soldier, but m- many of the other properties, you know, I, and I love those other properties. They may not have been, they may not have tapped into social commentary the way that Black Panther. Black Panther has so many layers. For a superhero movie, and just the fact that people are using the lexicon from the move the movie into everyday language, the way that folks say the sunken place as routine means it has become something else. It becomes a part of the sh- the social bedrock. I'm just saying. Anyway, I hope it does well. I hope it does well. Uh, let's move forward. This is this is a Star Trek dis- discussion, so I think the ears of Q Storm. Let's let's Moonves, who is C- the CBS CEO, somewhat well known, uh, well very well known for people who know the the, the um, entertainment business. Very powerful individual. Um, he says that the reason that Star Trek dis- Star Trek Discovery. Um, was the, who's the, the main actress? Sonequa Martin Green, I believe. Yes. The re the reason why, uh, and this has been noticed. I think you said this. We've all said this. That there is a stylistic thematic difference with Star Trek Discovery versus the other Star Treks. Uh, we know that the Star Treks in the past dealt with kind of a moral lesson. They dealt with, you know, it was episodic, and it dealt with, you know, the, the 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 race of the week or the planet of the week or the issue of the week. 
that was it also dealt with social commentary. But each each week there was an encounter with a different culture and that culture operated on some level that the enterprise had to deconstruct or save or whatever. In this particular franchise, it's not like that. It's more of an ongoing saga. And even beyond that, Moonves is saying that, well, it's because it's a streaming service, that the nature of the streaming service prevents it from being episodic the way that the other iterations of Star Trek have been in the past. Um, Two, you are certainly a Star Trek fan. What are your thoughts about Moonves saying that, well, it's ABC, uh, ABC, pardon me, CBS All Access. It's the framework that causes it to be this way versus the other Star Treks in the past. Do you buy that? <clears throat> no. I, I mean, no, listen, I'm not working at Les Moonves' level. That's not to say that I couldn't, because I don't know that these guys, any of these guys in Hollywood know what the hell they're doing. We've talked about that all the time. But I can't make heads or tails of that because DS9, one of the reasons that DS9 is a fan favorite, a lot of Trekkies will tell you they like DS9 the best. I don't personally. I enjoy it, but that's not my favorite. They say it's their favorite because it's the most layered, uh, most um, depth, depth, full of depth iteration of Star Trek there is. And, I, and as I'm watching it on Netflix, I see that there are stories being woven throughout whole seasons in DS9. And that was a serial – that was a uh, network show. I'm sorry, well, it may have been syndicated, but in any case, it was a weekly show. You couldn't, you know, it was a weekly show. It wasn't, it was on the network, on uh, on networks. So I don't know what that, I can't make sense of that because it's been done in the past, like I'm saying with DS9. And I don't know why, it, it, to me, the only reason it's on CBS All Access is because they want to launch that platform with a with a series that they know people are devoted to. That's all it comes down to for me. Now, so if there's something else going on, I'm not aware of what it could be. Yeah, IO9, I just put the link to the article. Uh, you know, listen, I don't – the reason why I don't understand where he's coming from is because the way that CBS All Access operates, it doesn't operate like Netflix. Like Netflix puts out the series as a package deal. It's like, boom, it's done. Look at it however you want to look at it. It's like it's like a uh, it's like a dish, like a like a um, a la carte kind of dish, where they put the ten or thirteen episodes out there, and you can look at look at these episodes however you want to look at them. And the fact that you have Black Mirror on there, which has uh, a number of distinct different episodes, that many of them have no relation with each other. They're just literally it's like Twilight Zone. But on Netflix, well, actually, it was, it was UK television, and then they brought it to Netflix. But um, CBS All Access does not al- allow you to look at the entirety, at least not while it's being broadcast. I, would, I had assumed that – okay, as an example, if, if Star Trek Discovery w- were to have been on Netflix, it would have just been 13 or I think 16 episodes – straight up of that season would have been up and running like 8 o'clock in the, in the afternoon, or I'm sorry, 8 o'clock in the morning or whatever. They would just put it out there, and that's it. With 
CBS All Access, you have to wait till what, 8 or 9 o'clock at night to see each individual episode just the way you would, would see it if it was on CBS's regular uh, broadcasting network. I believe it was 8.30. You're correct. I, I believe that. I believe right. that's the case. So what is, he, what is he talking about? It's not even operating like a conventional streaming service. A- Amazon works the same way. Amazon, Amazon essentially has it where you can look at, look at this stuff. Um, I, don't, I don't think that it, it, the streaming has anything to do with it. Well, you know, the only argument, the only thing I could say in their defense, and it still doesn't, I can poke holes through it, is that, and we talked about this, shameless plug, on the last episode of uh, Red Shirts, you can find on iTunes, um, is that the production, the amount of production that goes into each episode it makes it it's extremely complex. Cap knows what I'm talking about. The shows are so CGI heavy, um, and I I had a complaint that you know you can get rid of half that CGI and save your budget and give me more episodes than 16 or however many it was. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I just you know that's the only thing I could say that maybe they were they were producing the shows as they were going like traditional network TV does. But I'm not sure about that, man. It, it, you're right. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, that's and, and that's the only reason I can come up with it. They were still they were doing the shows and placing the shows on the on the platform as they were being uh, completed. But I, you know, I, I can't really stick to that. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, and then we got to wait till 2019 for the new series. 20. I mean, it's a great show. But they—it's like they're trying to sabotage it. I really don't get the strategy uh, at all. It looks funny. It looks like they're doing old with the new, meaning which they know about episodic TV. They know how that works. All right. Now you set up a streaming service. You get everybody's money in. You spend a lot of money, but yet we're going to do this from just like how we were doing episodic t- regular TV, where we get the money from our advertisers. It's a little funny, you know. It's—it's it's somewhat like. They were testing the waters, but not testing the waters. That answer there is some foolishness, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that he gave the people. But when you start to look at it, that's pretty much what they did. You know? Well, look. That's pretty look, much the, what the, he did. The leadership of our country. But it worked very well. The leadership of our country, you, you already can tell that from the top to the bottom, you can pretty much just say anything. That, to me, that's just empty words. I mean, listen, I, 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 I love this new Star Trek Discovery. I, I'm amazed at, at how well it looks um, and that it is on a streaming service. You know, listen, it, it, in, many, in many ways, I think it's superior to what I've seen from the, uh, you know, from the Kelvin cinematic storylines. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> I mean, there's just something about it. I mean, you know, the, 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 um, uh, the spore drive and the, the general look of it. I mean, it, it looks – it really – the acting, I mean, everything, the graphic nature of it seems to be, dare I say, superior. And it makes you wonder that, you know, they, it costs so much money for those movies to be made. And listen, what, two episodes, which is roughly two hours, is, let's say, $14 million. If we're, ta- we're going to go by their numbers, it's $7 million per episode. So what's the difference between two episodes at two hours versus, let's say, a $150 million Star Trek movie for, for two hours? I'm confused. <laughs> that's Hollywood. That's how, the vaunted Hollywood um, math. You know, Hollywood you have two actors to play. 
Hollywood Big actress. At, you got J.J. Well, Abrams. You got to pay him. Yeah, yeah. His whole production well, team. You got to pay there him. Go. Well, that's what's really going on then. Well, that's what, that's yeah. what it is then. It's the salary, yeah. the salary versus, you know, the, the, the technical aspects of putting it out there. Because, you know, with lesser-known yeah. actors, you're doing $7 million, which is still very expensive. But $7 million to, for it to look that way for episodic television makes you wonder. Let's go to the DMV. I think this is Black Ronan, my, uh, Ham, my fellow Hamptonian. Ruth, Ruth E. Carter in his house laying it down <laughs> for, for the Black Panther. We got some credit. So I know Bison wants to, you know, Bison wants to make um, a Howard into uh, some kind of Wakandan embassy. But we might have some, we might have some, some encroachment in that as well. Uh, Man, the hitter rate thick. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Hey, well, it, it is what it is. Hi, hi, everybody. How everybody doing? Pretty good. Doing man. well, sir. All right. Good, good, good. Um, what's up, Q? How you doing? I'm good, man. I like that last. I really like that last episode of Red Shirts. It was really good. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Publicity, baby. Publicity. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sharing, believe me. I'll be sharing the show out, man. I mean, you guys, you guys do a really good job. I really, I really appreciate it. So, and going over Star Trek Discovery and everything. And, he, and even when you went over some of the other shows and other stuff, too, it was really great. Oh, thank um, you very much. No, no problem, man. Um, just real quick. Um, yeah, this, 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 I'll read through this article. It sounded like BS to me. I think um, that uh, the captain's on point. It sounds like that Pentagon uh, budgeting. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they like to do whatever it is. So um, yeah, it, 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 it makes no sense. I mean, I think I, think I agree with all with all what you guys have said about for the most part that they could have put this on Netflix and I, and it was just just as well. Um, probably got it out faster, possibly. Um, and, and I mean, I, I love Star Trek Discovery. I mean, I really do. I, I thought it was a great season. The ending was a, was rocky. Uh, yep. <laughs> in red shirts and listening to some other shows, the ending was kind of rocky. Um, definitely, that definitely was a little on the rocky side. But other than that, I enjoyed it greatly. Um, but yeah, I think this guy's giving uh, he's trying to give excuses out ahead of time for if anything doesn't go well, then maybe the next season. So, or any changes they want to make. That's what it, that's what it kind of sounded like to me as well. So, now but that's my we, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I was just going to say, um, we all know that since it's completed its run, it is available on Netflix outside of the United States. Now, I don't know how yep. they're distributing it on Netflix, if they're dumping it all at once or if they are doing it once a week. But I assume Netflix has some sort of has a policy about that, that um, if Marvel can dump all theirs at once, then CBS should must be obligated to dump all theirs at once. I don't know. But. You can get them on Netflix outside of the United States. So, hooray for capitalism. <laughs> you know, um, I, I want to go into another topic here. This is definitely a Q-Storm topic. And I don't know if we've actually delved into this, but I know that Q has brought this up quite a few times. Um, and this, uh, this is what I think is your, your critique of Black Lightning. I mean, uh, paraphrasing what you, what you said quite a few times on our show, is that what, what is going on with Black Heroes you know, fighting. Um, uh, what was that character's name you referenced in there? Uh, Lala. Lala. Lala? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Lala versus Thanos. Um, although Nig Nig Nogs has superpowers, man. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Here we you know. go. Here we that go, crack, Cap. That crack in that that weed is pretty strong. 
mutated weed out there. You know, For real. We we don't know. But anyway, uh, slashfilm.com. <laughs> slashfilm.com. I just put a link into our chat room. Has a piece about the whole kind of uh, limitations of being a black superhero. I mean, there's one piece where they go into um, into John I- Irons, uh, John Henry Irons. You know him to be Steel. We're not gonna we're not gonna we're gonna pretend that you know Shaq has nothing to do with this. Hopefully, I vaguely remember his his. Uh, but yeah, then again, you know that's why it's funny. No one mentions that film. We don't. We're on this. We're on this black blurred kick. But I mean, he was there. You know, I mean, no one wants to talk about it. But yeah. I mean, does he predate Blade? Even did. predate Blade? Can we not bring yeah, those I, two together? Let's not conflate those two, so. please. <laughs> I, I, I think so. Uh, don't do it, like, Bird. Don't go down this road, 90, man. Ninety-two, ninety-three. Yeah, I think it does. All right. Well, let me let me Lowell read a little bit. Of, let me read a little bit about about what they're saying. This is essentially it would it would have been as, as it looks as if something that Houston would have written, but it's yeah. Listen, it is what it is. I mean, it, we do have to talk about this. It says I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but it says uh, well. Let me read the the, the 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 title of it is the necessity and painful limitations of Luke Cage and Black Lightning. That's the name of the article. Now skipping around a little bit, it says uh, the CW version of Black Lightning. A.K.A. Jefferson Pierce, um, parenthetically, it says Cress Williams, of course, that's the actor, actively tries to stay away from superheroism, wanting only to change his community through his work as a high school principal and mentor. His past as a vigilante crime fighter keeps him close to the hearts and minds of those old enough to remember, but he wants to turn over a new leaf and simply be a family man and, again, parenthetically, non-powered community leader. But the criminal group known as the 100 just won't, let, just won't let up, and the police seem increasingly ineffective. It's only when his own kids are kidnapped that he realizes he can't escape his calling as a superhero, so he suits up once again, not just for his kids, but for all of the families impacted by rampant crime. Then it says that he goes to, to, uh, to Luke Cage. Luke, Mike Coulter, like Jefferson didn't get into superheroism as a hobby. The Netflix version of the character was pushed into doing it after the death of his mentor, Henry Pop Hunter, who was killed by the villainous Cottonmouth's henchmen. Now, let me stop there for a minute. I don't know if that's a fair comparison because we see that death through some criminal act motivates most of these vigilantes, black or white. Exactly. So that right there, that, that might not be an honest thing. What that that particular tidbit is no different than Peter Parker's uncle being killed uh, yeah, by a criminal. You know, uh, all these characters, uh, Batman, Batman parents were killed in front Batman. of him. Batman, Batman. So yep. I don't know if I really agree, but he says at first Luke only wanted vengeance for Pop's death, but eventually he realizes that the entire borough of Harlem needs his help, especially since it seems like no one else is going to step in the ring and bring justice to a neighborhood that surely needs it. Now, the only thing about about this, I mean, you have to be honest now. Luke Cage ends up being Harlem's hero. Not that dissimilar from Ben Grimm being uh, the Yancey Street hero. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it's kind of it's kind of done. It's kind of for, for for giggles and jokes and stuff. You know, they 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 kind of give him his comeuppance in a in a rather jokey way. But he is a hero to the Yancey the Yancey Street Gang. So we can't always assume everything. Now the next part right here, when they go into Steel, now what's now what now Steel and Superman's relationship, and Superman's relationship to the to the black section of Metropolis, that becomes at issue. Now let me read this. Now this is where I think they make a better point. It says the trend continues with other comic book characters as well. Steel, aka John Henry Irons was a weapons engineer. Okay, what, where is it? Where is Tony Stark? Where, that's like a Tony Stark thing, isn't that? Anyway. Yep. That's a little it bit. Is. That's a little bit of a biting, biting move there, but that's not above DC or Marvel. Was a weapons engineer before he became a superhero. His change towards superheroism was only spurred once he realized inner city gangs in Metropolis were using were using his inventions, propelling him to make a suit. And fight crime. Uh, why are black superheroes often called to save their own, while white superheroes who are supposed to protect the entire city seemingly segregate themselves from the inner city? For, for, okay. Because <laughs> Superman doesn't want to get that work from Ta- Taekwon and Laquisha. Anyway. <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep 100. And, and just, is just one to- thing. Just to say, uh, Superman was also motivated by the death of his, uh, well, I guess in the older iteration, by the death of his Earth dad, right? Well, you see, it depends. Cause when All Burn, those powers, I and think, I couldn't even save them, you know? Well, because in the, the, the Byrne, John Byrne, the great John Byrne, during his series in the mid-'80s, uh, I think it was it entitled Man of Steel? But not mistaken. Anyway, anyway, And, and he, his father stayed alive. His father didn't yeah. die. His parents stayed alive. Yeah. His parents stayed alive, and listen, Lois and Clark was was probably uh, connected or inspired by the Byrne interpretation of Superman. But uh, his parents were very much alive. He would go back to the farm every so often to visit them, and they made Lex Steel. I mean Lex Steel. Lex Luthor. Lex Steel. <laughs> Think about something wow. else. <laughs> Yeah, you are. No, Hashtag well, exposed. <laughs> no, man. What is it? I talked about steel in a few months. Whatever. Anyway, uh, with Lex, Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor was a uh, mad scientist for many decades. And it's mm-hmm. the, burn interpre- the burn interpretation that put him into this whole corporate raider kind of thing. So, uh, but he makes a point. Now, I think this point is something, and this has been in, in my head for a minute. In, in order for these comic books to really work out, I mean, I'm talking about not just in print, but especially in print. But now it's print and in movies and in TV. You know, it is a little peculiar that Batman's cr- criminals are mostly all white because they're afraid of uh, political correctness. And, 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 even if, and even if you're dealing with um, – Criminals, uh, criminals or, or, or villainy, um, you still could have, you know, black and brown and yellow criminals being otherworldly, being intelligent, being, um, you know, maniacal, as opposed to just being, you know, la la. 
Now, I think that – matter of fact, I think this, this black actor uh, who has albinism, he, he's very interesting. He's very maniacal. You know, I, don't, I don't really think about his – I don't really connect the racial element for him. I think he, he and, even, uh, and even Jill Scott, they, they kind of are transcending a little bit of like the street thing somewhat. I think Lala does oh, yeah. the same thing. But these guys are running underground businesses. And they interact with the government. You see that also. Yep. There's a lot of layering. Because if you're going to do this kind of stuff, it's got to be done in a certain way. But I don't know if we've actually seen it that way for, uh, for what, what we know to be in the mythology and what we've seen in print. Like I would like to see Batman up against a black villain that, w- that could give him some work. Now, that would be that would that would be interesting. That's true, but when it came down to the movie, they gave I you know. a British actor. A matter of fact, matter of fact, at the time, and this is at the time, I don't think I don't think we were full in full swing as far as uh, minority representation. I'm talking about me personally. Like I noticed it, but I didn't campaign about it. But I was bu- I was bugged by it. I do remember saying several times uh, that I was I was bothered by although the, it, Tom Hardy is a beast, but I didn't I didn't like I thought it was I thought he was he was he was poorly casted for Bane. Yeah. I was looking at yeah. I was thinking of someone now at the time I thought that someone like um uh what's his name he would have been a perfect Bane. It was there was two guys that came at the point came to my head. Javier, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. He was it. Who was he? Was he was uh, what was the, the 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 movie he was in where he played uh, when he had that that cattle prod thing? No country he, for old men. Yes. When I saw when I saw that him in that role, I said that's Bane. He's physically imposing. I mean, he was perfect. Or Benicio del Toro. Either one of those dudes. Either one of those two, but they're, listen, there are other there are other Hispanic actors of note, but because they were in the limelight and we saw them like being masterful with kind of a villainous, I mean they, they were yeah, those they guys were would have been they were just excellent. excellent. I mean to me it was a yeah. it was a no brainer. Those two actors for ba- those two actors for Bane, in my head, were as much of a no brainer as it was for. Um, What's his face for for Professor X? Patrick Stewart. Why am I thinking? Patrick Stewart. Thank you. Patrick Stewart. When I first heard that it was going to be a live action, a live action X Men movie, there was nobody else. <laughs> there was nobody else. He was. Agreed. He was just. He was. That was Professor X. And that well, was a I funny disagree, thing. but okay. What? I do. Who would, I do. Who? Who was better than, than a Patrick Stewart for Professor X, especially after the tour de force in Logan? Well, I, I'm just saying that the reason I didn't want Patrick Stewart because I had already seen him for seven years play another pop culture and a pop culture iconic franchise. So I, to me, it would be like once Christopher Reeve finished playing Superman, you cast him as Batman. It was I, I didn't like it personally. Uh, that's well, just me. Nah, come on, that's not that, that's mm-hmm. when you talk about literally the same kind of genre. I mean, you know, I'm talking about pop culture. It's, it's Star Trek and Star Trek and comic books. It's the same zeitgeist, man. Come on. 
Okay, you're you're, you're really. <laughs> I would have gone for I would have gone for um, the guy who played uh, the Mandarin, the 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 Trevor character in Iron Man Three. I think Kingsley, Kingsley. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he, he's a good actor, but I don't know something about. I just thought that that was he was absolutely perfect. Me too. I mean, he he just looked like Professor X. I don't know. Ben Kingsley is another bald actor of of Indo British descent. I mean, that's fine, but I thought that I don't know Patrick Stewart. Which is that's that's the first guy that came in my head. Unquestionably, I think a lot of people. You know, um, yeah. I, I what are your what are your thoughts about this, gentlemen? I mean, is there something going on here about the the, the limit? I mean, Q brings this up quite a bit. Uh, yeah, you know what? You already know where I stand on this on this issue. I mean, I even like, King, even Kingpin had something. He was in the streets. He was doing, you know, he was low level, but even he had some metahuman abilities, you know. So you know where I stand about this. I, I don't. I I want to see our heroes fighting next to Iron Man, Cap, you know, Natasha. That's what I, I'm going to get that. Hopefully we get Black Panther have, has a good showing in Infinity War, so I got that. But I don't want them to have to fight. I don't want them fighting the galactic-level hero villains or the meta-villains only when they get to fight next to the white guy. Well, I mean, listen, that's what the success of the Black Panther is supposed to engender. I mean, there's, there's that kind of talk. Uh, we will see if you know there's this there's this belief and this hope that there is a you know before Black Panther and after Black Panther and you know Sergio Mims goes into this quite a bit and you know some of us are so used to being you know being on the losing side of the game there's so much of us kind of used to just things being a certain way we won't necessarily admit that there's change even when we see change but again you know listen even with the, even with the six billion dollar man. I mean, after all these years, I would have liked to have seen a minority man in that in that role. Some of the stuff has to play out a little differently. I I mean, ideally. Can I, can you know what I mean? That? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So so I mean, I understand where Q is coming from. I mean, I know I know I, I, you know, I try to clown him a little bit on Twitter and everything, but I do I do and I do feel where he's coming from. But my only thing would be that we how many black led property comic properties have really been out there so we got two as far as tv goes we got you got luke cage and you got black lightning black lightning is shown to have layers to it so we're realizing now that yes it starts out with them fighting the 100 but it's going into a bigger conspiracy type situation luke cage had his first season so we're getting the second season we'll see where it goes from there i mean if we get the same repeat kind of thing then yeah i, I will 100 percent agree with you that you, you can't keep having these guys fighting a particular <laughs> level of villains and everything. See, um, well, let's, well, let's 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 be fair. I just mentioned Sonequa Martin Green. Sonequa Martin Green, who I love. Uh, for listen, Q knows me by now. Anytime I see a thinking black person, thinking person of color, uh, where we clearly see them using use employing brain work, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they were they were able to re up their subscribers. They were able to make to make their uh, metrics when it came down came down to the finance with no problem with a black woman who uh, in the storyline was raised in 
invoking culture. No problem. So, I mean, this excuse, you know, we see the, we see the, um, the Shondaverse is, is off and running for many, for many, many years, going into almost two decades. So we've seen black people do this work without any incident. So, I, you know, it's, it's getting a little long in the tooth, the excuse that we can't have minority-like characters showing some level of badassery and being able to be in some of these properties that normally, you know, weren't attributed to them. I think this, this is a new world, a new, a new day, and constantly seeing this. And, and again, I, I, I'm having conversations with white people on Twitter, white pop culture fanatics, who even, even they are telling me. I had a conversation with a young woman on Twitter uh, yesterday, and we were going back and forth, back and forth about the notion of a magical HBCU. She was enthralled by it. When I mentioned not only a magical HBCU, but even a J.K. Rowling Wagadoo. Like, you know, uh, the way Wagadoo plays yeah. out is that the, the students don't rely on wands. They, re- right. they rely on hand gestures. That's something different. All people want is content. They don't want – no one you, – you, you, you will get tired of filet mignon after a certain point. And that's where we are right now. People are just tired of the same crap. I mean, if you're going to do a, a billion-dollar man movie, does it have to be another square-jawed white dude? Could have been an Asian no, man. Could not have been a Latin man with, with a different culture. You know, you, you, know, uh, you, got, you got people you – got, listen, you got a number of black people that have been in space. That, that you, have, you have multiracial astronauts now. It, you know, you have a woman – you have women astronauts. This stuff is like old hat now. Why are we still going to the same white dude in space? I mean, it's, it's actually – and they wonder why this stuff is failing because people are just tired of looking at the same old crap, man. Anyway. Can I, can I quickly address something that uh, Black Ronan said? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, where he, I think he said, you know, with Black Lightning, you know, we have to give it a little bit of time. Uh, it's building up to something. And I respect that, but I remember – I saw – I can't remember where I saw this. Oh, it was in the movie um, 42 with uh, Chadwick Boseman. Right. They, they had a clip where he's talking to some congressional panel, I believe, and he – I'm going to butcher the quote, but he says, you know, black people have been asked to wait for a long time. Or we're, you know, it seemed like this is – it's been long enough or something like that. I, I guess I don't – you're not going to sell me on saying, well, we have to be patient. We have to wait, just like he was saying, because if I recall the debut of Flash – he was fighting somebody that could create tornadoes or something like that in the first episode. So I, why do we always? Why do we have this mentality that we need to wait? We need to be patient. I don't understand that. Well, I'm, I'm not coming. At, I'm not coming at black. I'm just saying. I know. Let's look at that I, for I a know. second. But what, what, what I'm trying to say is that, but but it's been other white heroes out there who who you know when they, a lot of them started out, they were fighting just regular criminals as well. And I mean, we don't complain about Batman only fighting, you know, his typical rogue gallery of villains. Um, but what I'm really saying is that, yeah, I mean, I, I think Black Lightning is going somewhere where, where it's, it's more than just him fighting street level crime or whatever it is. But Luke Cage, I, I, like I said, I, like I, said I, do, I do feel you and agree with you. I mean, in season two, Luke Cage is the same thing that, that season one did. There's a problem. I mean, we can see some people with some abilities, him battling people with abilities and everything. I mean, no reason why they can't do that. Um, and, I, and, I, and we're definitely going in that direction with, with uh, Black Lightning. But I think Black Lightning is also very structured very differently, too, where, where it's definitely more of a family 
drama with the superhero aspect be more of a, of a backdrop to it. And they're, and they're definitely building toward it. I think after the end of this first season, I'm really expecting to see the Outsiders next season. And, and I know that's something that Daryl's mentioned a couple of times, but I'm really expecting to see that next season should be the Outsiders. That's what, that's what I'm really expecting to see. Because, I mean, right now, I mean, his daughter, the, the oldest daughter has powers. I already shown that, you know. Um, in fact, they had a really good interaction this past this past episode. Um, and, and and the youngest daughter should be getting her powers she's kicking in pretty soon as well. So when the season is done, we should see, you know, we find more about how people got their powers, you know, and then as well as that we hope we should be seeing some outsiders, you know, next next season or whatever it is. Um, but these are also some of the first early shows of black heroes on, on TV. And, and they're going to go, because unfortunately people are going to kind of go with what they, what they know, even, even if it's black writers, they're still going to try to find some way to incorporate things that will, that will attract a black audience, you know, and, and unfortunately all black people aren't blurred. unfortunately. I mean, some people, they, they like their street stuff. They like their uh, street know, drama stuff. Something else I forget, Phil, well, let me mention two things. One, you know, when you talk about the Netflix properties, I mean, to be fair, all of the Netflix properties have a lot to do with just being street-level crime. You know, yeah. everything has to do with – it's more about the, their neighborhoods almost being characters unto themselves. Uh, yeah. You know, um, Hell's Kitchen it. Hell's Kitchen is, yeah. is a character, although in the real time, you know, Hell's Kitchen – you can't even afford Hell's Kitchen. You know, 1968 – 1968, 1978, Hell's Kitchen might have might have been at issue. Not right now, you know. Uh, even Harlem, even Harlem is a gentrified Harlem. Even even Harlem mm-hmm. isn't Harlem. Even South Bronx, and Bronx has its issues, but this Bronx is not the, the Bronx either. I don't know about South Bronx, D Bird. I was with you. South Bronx, I don't know. I've, I've been to the South Bronx recently. Harlem, yes. No, <laughs> South but Bronx, listen, I don't South, know. South Bronx it's isn't changing. like. South, South Bronx isn't like uh, Fort Apache, uh, 1980. There, there are the parts Bronx. of the Bronx is, but you know, the Bronx is again, it has its issues. But even even from the then to now, yeah, listen, when they had um, the Get Down Netflix series, that that series cost as much as, and it's going about low tech, high tech. That series cost as much as to make. It looked like 1970, 1980 mm-hmm. Bronx, because that Bronx doesn't exist anymore, even with its, it's current rough. It's been rough. I grew up in the you Bronx. Know? I know. Believe me, I had relatives who lived in the South Bronx, and believe me, yeah, that is. <laughs> me and my brother did not particularly like visiting them very often. So believe me, no, it was it was rough. It was, the Bronx isn't like it. the South Bronx isn't what it used to be at all. No, my sister tells me all the time. Um, about how about the condos are going up down there, um, and how much it costs, and I'm just like amazed when she tells me these stories. You know, no one wants to talk about it, but many of these hoods, man, you know, uh, people are investing in these hoods, and these and 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 that's that's what is that issue. And folks like Spike Lee, and these people come out and talk about gentrification and the movement of the culture and movement of some of these uh, of poor peoples. But it is going down. You know, in D.C., many many of these areas that are problematic uh as time goes on it's still real estate desirable real estate and they're going to move you behind one way or the other so it is going down in a certain way but i failed to to mention you know when i i mentioned about logan's run and i connected logan's run to richard pryor the thing about richard pryor was he had made a comment about logan's run saying that logan's run he thought was a horror movie i'm paraphrasing because there were no black people in it (laughs) 
He said, if th- th- that's a clear indication that black folks are not going to be in the future. And the only, and as I said, the only black person of note in that property was all covered up. Well, he, he was, he, he was, the, I can't say he was covered up. He was the vocal work for the robot. The maniacal robot was Roscoe Lee Brown. That's the only black person in Logan's Run. So if they do a Logan's Run reboot, are they going to still have the same square-jawed white folks in it? And this is not to land-based white people, but it's just like, come on. You know, the future's got to be, if anything, you know, the, the way the numbers are working out, I mean, I know to the chagrin of Donald Trump, this is going to be a majority, <laughs> a majority minority world, whether they like it or not. It's going down that way. And, you know, that's one of the things I think actually, and I've said this on the show, one of the things that was problematic for Blade Runner 2. I thought Blade Runner 2 did an excellent job at, 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 at its look and how it was able to actually be a, as I thought, like I felt that it was a legitimate sequel to the original Blade Runner. The only problem I had with it is that it didn't have enough minority representation for a movie about the damn future. And, and if you were going to do, uh, you know, you had, you had, you had well, who was the lead for um, in Blade Runner? One of the Ryans. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, one of them. They, they, you, you, could inter, you could interchange these actors. <laughs> even, they, even they have inside, even they have uh, inside jokes. But there, there should have been a, a woman, maybe maybe even a minority woman. How does that have to be a, 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 a Idris and everything? Which would have been cool, but. You could have a minority woman in in that in the place uh, for for the, the second go around. And just certain things that Hollywood is like slow on a draw, man, slow on an uptick, and, and they wonder why these things are failing. It's pretty obvious. Anyway, uh, the captain had to move along. We got about thirty minutes remaining. I want to keep you gentlemen on if you like. Um, I want to continue powering powering forward. Good news with what's happening with Black Panther um, with some of the actors. From Black Panther, at least one of them, Lupita Nyong'o. Did you hear about this? Lupita Nyong'o. Was she, was she, listen, there's a, she's going to be a very busy woman for a number of years. But uh, one direct connection of a historical nature is with Lupita and Viola Davis that they're teaming up for some kind of uh, mother-daughter oh, yeah. historical film called right. the The Woman King, which is yeah. a story about the Dahomey Amazons. So you got this yep. West African military unit, and you know I, I I've heard of the Dahomey Amazons, but I mean this this is I will confess I've heard of them, but I don't know as much as I need to know. Now I'm going to be doing some research, obviously. I've but this is, it, yeah. But this intrigues me about this. I mean this is very interesting, and this is the kind of stuff. Again, I almost we're so used to losing. <laughs> I, I I'm almost fearful that we're getting like this. This kind of content. I mean, this is what we've always dreamed about. You know, African stories. There needs to be some African American stories that have been untapped. I mean, there are a lot, there are a lot of just downright interesting stories that I think. Oh yeah. A myriad of racial groups, and, and I hate to even talk that way, but this is where we are. Since everybody has to be color coded, um, I just think these are damn good stories that will be interesting for anybody who wants who's into cinema, like you know. The city ass like Sergio, those um, and myself, people who just like movies. I love superhero movies, but I like good entertainment, good edutainment. Who's not going to be about, who's not going to be behind a movie with Viola and Lapita as as African Amazons? Now, black folks got to get on top of it. Now, Q, this is what I'm talking about. 
We saw that I don't have my I don't I don't, ha- I don't have my music. Damn. We saw dancing. I mean. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> well, listen. This is this is the type of stuff that we, well yeah this, I'm making a point. This is the type of stuff that I want to see. Ah, damn it, you're lucky. I don't I don't have my uh, my dance of the uh, sugar plum negroes um, clip. <laughs> Anyway, really, 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 come on. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't. You're lucky. You're lucky. I don't. Ha- I don't have that clip. But um, I want black folks to be as enthusiastic, or at least half as enthusiastic about this kind of thing beyond Black Panther, because we got to wait a couple of years for Black Panther two. In between Black Panther two coming, can we also get behind and and and, and Put some put some some interest and some money in the coffers for these kind of projects. Now this is the Black Amazon. This, this, this ain't Themyscira. This is this is Black Themyscira. These are actually the original Amazons, actually. Yeah. Well, this, this is what this is what this is what uh, some some white some white people in the uh, some academic like academics in the 1800s started to extrapolate to the to the to the um, Greek Amazons. Well, can I ask you a question real quick? When you said Lupita was starring in a new movie, I remember reading a few months ago that she was going to be starring in a movie with, Rihanna. I want to say Oprah or something. Rihanna. Some, because someone suggested that the two of them look dope together and they should do a movie. And there was a movie, there was something, yeah, was I think Twitter. Ava DuVernay was involved or something. I think that might be a Twitter thing. Well, look. I, I remember look, asking that too. I, I, I think that we I, do a movie together. I, I think that it has some traction because there was oh, really? a young woman that, well, there was a young woman on Twitter, like you said, that made that comment. And then all of a sudden it, it's supposed to be a Netflix movie. And that girl is supposed to get some kind of production credit for coming up with the idea. So unless things have changed, I think it's supposed to be some kind of buddy comedy or bunny buddy, uh, female buddy pr- uh, property Courtesy of Netflix. Uh, like a, like a thief movie, kind of like a thief. When they put what they do in like a crime together, or something like that, like a caper type, a caper type heist film. Yeah, that sounds about. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, I, who knows? Who knows? You know. Well, well, look, you know, you know, I, 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 that that picture of those two together. I mean, you would think that way. I, I, listen, there's a lot of ideas floating around, courtesy of oh, yeah. of, of, uh, of Twitter. Twitter. I mean, I yeah. went, I went on and on and on, and I'm, I'm working on getting him on the show. Um, Reginald Hudlin, the great Reginald Hudlin, the filmmaker and, and former uh, VP of Entertainment at BET, and also uh, one of the co-founders of Milestone Media. And I had said because I was obsessed, and I'm pretty sure that um, that Black Ronan would appreciate this. The whole notion of a magical HBCU. I'm obsessed with. Oh, yeah. And when I heard down, that man. the the Lucas brothers. Were behind it, so I, know, and I think they were looking at it just to just to shop it as an animation thing. They had they had or ha- I think they had for a couple of years, maybe two seasons, this kind of underground cartoon called the Lucas Brothers Moving Company, and it kind of had a dry sense of humor. It, it looked a little bit like a little bit like um, Rick and Morty, but um, they also pitched this idea of a magical HBCU, and the suits can't wrap their heads around black folks being beyond what they know black folks to be. They just didn't, they didn't understand it. To me, 
a magical different world is not difficult to understand. It writes itself. Wow. And and if you're going to do it, like I'm, I'm, I will confess, I love Rick and Morty. Rick, Rick, Rick and Morty is crazy as a cartoon. Uh, and there's a reason why, uh, you know, the corporates are behind Rick and Morty. We see that Szechuan sauce that was formerly made by McDonald's years ago has been brought back. That I think someone actually sold uh, a vat of this Szechuan sauce for like, I don't know, 10 grand or something because it was rare at the time and because the character on Rick and Morty was obsessed with it. The popularity of that, of that cartoon brought back, it, it brought back McDonald's Szechuan sauce. So why not have a an, an, an black animated cartoon? We, we haven't seen – heck, I'd like to see the Proud Family come back with Tommy oh, yeah, Davis. I, yeah. I think it was that we're, we're at the place now where we can start to see – I think there's even talk of bringing back the Black Panther cartoon. The Black Panther cartoon, now that – I think that's one. actually BET, BET. Well, they need to bring a new one back, but BET – Repeat that again. Real quick. Deeper, real quick. There's actually a new Black Panther cartoon coming on, written by Jeffrey Thorne, who wrote um, Mosaic. He's been working right. on it all last year, and he actually tweeted out some uh, uh, drawings from the new cartoon. He doesn't know what is coming out this year exactly. So you know how Marvel's very um, secretive about some of that stuff, and right. Disney they're very secretive about that stuff. But it's a brand new Black Panther cartoon. Uh, I think loosely based on like, the movie structure of of the Black Panther and everything, but he 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 worked on it last year. He's the guy who wrote Mosaic. He was the guy who worked on Mosaic, and I think the other company wrote wrote was Solo. But he actually worked on it. So it is, there is a new Black Panther cartoon coming out sometime this year. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, and not with the Avengers Assembled uh, artwork either. It's like different artwork. Well, that, that, listen, it's it's a no brainer. And the, yeah. the funny thing is, is that now BET has it up on their YouTube page, and now they're kind of lauding over it. When you know, uh, when Reginald Hudlin was in charge, he had a difficult time trying to get it on. I think it was supposed to have been shown on BET, and it just never made it. I think it was ended up being like shown in some Australian, uh, some some Australian um, network. You know, it, it was just kind of put to the reset. It was put to the side. I mean that's what happens to black black product and you know black product that, that doesn't fit a stereotype. But now that Black Panther is the ish, now people are revisiting the, that that Black Panther cartoon. And and the Black Panther cartoon had a, actually excellent um uh voice actors. You know the voice yeah, actors. Yeah. Jaimin Hensu, who many I I guess people perceived him to have aged out the role, but I always envisioned him as being the Black Panther. And he ended up being the Black Panther for, for, for the voice work on that. But um, there were quite a few actors of note in, in that cartoon. Sure Jill Scott was in the cartoon. So, play Shuri. Yep, yeah. Well, look, those, those actors could have easily been in the live action. So, I mean, now we're somewhere else. But I'm, I'm glad to see that they're, that they're looking into doing that. But when I was talking about this magical HBCU – uh, I said this already because I'm obsessed with it. Uh, I, I like it as a cartoon, just for just for like for comedy. Oh, if if you cool. had a if you had a uh, like a Red Fox, um, <laughs> a Red Fox who who's, who is the, um, the, the the like the teacher the, like the main principal of of uh, Harry Potter's um, Hogwarts. Dumbledore. You mean a Dumbledore? Dumbledore. 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 Right. Dumbledore. Dumbledore. 
if you have like a, a, a Red Fox analog for their Dumbledore. Come on, Deaver, stop. Stop it. What? You, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? A Red Fox version of Dumbledore? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why can't we have a uh, what's the what, what's the guy? Oh, I'm I'm losing his name. The Darth Vader gentleman who voiced Darth Vader. Oh, you talking about oh, you talking about Jimmy Jones? Jones? Yeah. Why? Why you want to foul? I mean, I love Red Fox. He's a foul mouth. He was a foul mouth comic. Why would you suggest that? Well, because well, because because the, the Lucas brothers the Lucas brothers were doing this as an animation. If it was being pitched for animation, and if if you're going into the world of like a Rick and Morty. You'd have to have that kind of comedic thing going on. That's the way they were going to do it. I mean, there, there are different iterations. Like, uh, first of all, the the Wagadu, uh Ugandan Hogwarts is already canon with J.K. Rowling, so it's up to her or or the people behind her films to pull the trigger on that. And that might be in its. I mean, J.K. Rowling has been on Twitter and has been responding to a lot of this Black Hogwarts thing. And based on what's and based on a billion dollar franchise with Black Panther, you might see this stuff being um, being being greenlit. You might, but there's there is a it is there is a part of there is a canon, a part of her canon with a Ugandan African uh, Hogwarts. So that kind of thing, I, that 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 iteration, I could certainly see it the way. Q-Storm is describing it. I'm talking about Lucas Brothers as comedians doing a cartoon. That's why I came with the Red Fox thing. I'm just saying. Uh, guys, I, so one, one of the things that I, I think we need to also talk about, too, is, is um, um, I know with Black Panther, you know, uh, I, did, I, did, I did just saw it again today myself, so for the third time. <laughs> uh, probably the last time for now until the DVD comes, the Blu-ray comes out, but um, I think something we won't talk about enough is how much how big a figure Nate Moore as a producer was behind Black Panther. So he's really the guy yeah. who really shepherded this thing to where it is. And and I think you're I think you're right, um when you guys talk about it. If you have to make sure to get the right team the thing about Hollywood, they don't they don't always pick the right team to get behind this kind of stuff. So even J. K. Rowling, she needs to be able to get, you know, black black Brits, you know, a, a team together who's really gonna pull this thing together to do it right. It, it, you know, it just can't be her. Be it maybe her idea, but in order to make this thing, you know, good and quality, you know, they gotta make sure they have the right team on it. And I think the problem with Hollywood, they never, somebody just never get the right team. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I I know Nate Moore. I know of him. I know that his he's a major player at Marvel, and he's instrumental with how this worked out with Black Panther. And and heck, I saw a picture of um yep. that that. A picture that uh, that uh, Mike Coulter tweeted out of himself at the Spirit Awards with uh, Daniel Kaluuya and yep, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman, and I responded to that and said, "Hey, forget it. I said this before, but forget about Tessa. I know Tessa's got, Tessa's got his own her own thing going on. Forget that. Forget that. Let's let's bring the crew on screen. But we might we might see the crew maybe through some kind of back end thing." With um, with Black Panther two, uh, heck, what's the stop? What's the stop? Spinoffs coming out of the Wakanda verse. I mean, that would be the ultimate. Oh yeah. I mean, the way we the way we see the way we see Fast and Furious with already that's going on to the chagrin of Tyrese for whatever reason. Uh, we should see that 
with Black Panther. And I could certainly see, especially since he's since the, the, the closing credits had him speaking to the UN and talking about sharing the technology, Wakandan technology with the world. Well, if that's going on, he's got to interact with the world. If you're going to interact with the world, that means there should be some kind of Harlem embassy. I know there's a, I know there's an embassy in Oakland. Well, let's bring let's bring it back to Harlem, and you have Luke Cage there. But see again, I don't know if Kevin Feige wants to go there with this Netflix stuff. But it's an excellent way to have Falcon, Iron Man. You're gonna yep. if we see this the sister Dewanda Wise from uh, she's got to have it. I'm assuming. So I even went to IMDb to see what her role her role is, but it's still very secretive. But I'm assuming she's going to be Spectrum. Me too. You have you have um you have uh, the actress Simone Missick. Yes, Simone Missick. Uh, as as uh, uh, why am I losing my memory? Misty Knight. I had a t-shirt. Yeah, Misty Knight. Thank you. As Misty Knight. <laughs> that's the crew. Yep. Who knows if Storm and if Storm, but you know Storm is kind of in the air because of the Disney Fox merger. Uh, Comcast got it, you know Comcast and Sky Skynet, whatever. We don't know how that's going to go down. I mean, I, I hope the Disney deal it, it meets, you know, meets meets its uh, its fi- final, uh, you know, its final thing. But you know, business is business. I mean, right now we were pretty pretty positive about it. You know, these people could care less about what we want, obviously. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, listen, the excuse that black that blackness isn't going to sell overseas, I think a crew movie could do, you know, 500 million or whatever. Maybe more. I, who's to say? The sky's the limit now. But this, this oh, yeah. back to the, the woman king, though. This woman king thing, man, the, the homie Amazons, I'm all about that. Let, let's, move, let's move forward still. No, no musical break. Real quick. Um. Thoughts about – well, there's actually two stories here, back-to-back. Back. We see that Kristen Wiig, Kristen Wiig has been connected to the part, the role of Cheetah for Wonder Woman 2. Uh, some folks, I think it's still kind of mixed because she's a comedic actress, but sometimes those are the best people to get for this kind of out-there role. I, I personally think definite? she can pull it off. Is that definite, or is that just still – looking at her? I, thought it was I, I don't think that's, 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 that's not a done deal, is it? I, don't I think, think so. well, I, I think I don't know if it's quite. I mean, her name is it's kind of serious. There was another actress that was more connected to it. Now her name has come up. I mean, we, I, I mean, we know we know her to be a comedic actress, but what are your thoughts about it? I, I'm kind of like with you. Uh, you know, I think. Um, Sometimes you get some really good performances. I, I think it's more the the spectacle of seeing a comedic actress do this. I, I'm curious to see what that take would be. So that's why I would say, all right, let's see what happens. She may not be the best for the role, uh, but I'm curious because I'm not that familiar with the character either. But I know what Kristen Wiig is capable of, so that's pretty much why I'm interested. I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I, I'm interested. I, I, I say give her a chance. I mean, most of the time, I agree with you. I think a lot of times comedians get undersold for their dramatic or action type um, performances. So I, I'm willing to give a comedian actor a chance. Definitely, because he could also be able to bring some level of depth to it, a character that regular drama actors don't always bring. So I, I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah, I mean, right now it says that she's in early talks with. 
uh, yeah, Warner Brothers. So, I mean, we, we don't really know, but her name is out there. You know, maybe it might fall through, but I, I'm not against it. When I first heard her name, I didn't have, like, a reaction. I was like, okay. I, listen, I, I'm more concerned about, again, after Black Panther. <laughs> I hate to keep on going there. It, it, it has nothing to do with even the racial, uh, political um, uh, intonations. It's about, like, the quality of that movie. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, think, I think Black Panther best Wonder Woman as far as, like, it being just a better, solidly built movie. Like, it, you know, one thing many people are talking about when it came to, came to uh, Ryan Coogler's work was there really weren't any plot holes. Like, everything was like it was a perfect circle. Like, everything made sense. It was enjoyable just thematically. It, 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 everything made sense. But with many of these um, comic book movies, you know, it's, it's, things, get, things are dropped off. There's a lack of an explanation. So I'm just concerned that for Wonder Woman 2, I want to see a, just a very solid movie. I don't want to see, like, plot holes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, yeah. I could care less about, you know, Kristen Wiig being Cheetah. Well, real, real quick, the two of you might be able to help me. This is a question I haven't had answered yet. And it okay. delves into the origin. I don't want to spend a lot of time, but the one plot hole, I'm calling it a plot hole maybe because I don't know understand the origin, but I don't understand the connection between the vibranium that struck Wakanda and Bast the Panther God. Is Bast the Panther God a, a, a manifestation of the vibranium, or is it just that no. these are two separate elements that no. are separate? They are separate. Because the only other plot hole I had was if you can become king of Wakanda through ritual challenge and you receive the Black Panther potion, I'll call it, it doesn't seem that... Um, it seems a little premature that we saw T'Challa acting as a Black Panther in Civil War before his father had passed on. Uh, and you know what I'm saying? It seemed like, it seemed like they, they were a little premature in giving him the Panther power because someone may have challenged what may have wanted to challenge for that power and the throne. You want to that make sense? Uh, or you want me to kind of. Well, I, I could answer something. I mean, we could both answer, but um, a couple of things. With well, first of all, uh, the Wakandan culture has always been connected to Bast. Uh, it, it's it's I guess it's analogous to how uh, Thor relates to his to his gods, or he he is a god. Um, in the in the uh, in the not the, not not the Hudlin run, but in the um, Christopher Priest run. Christopher, Christopher, Christopher Priest. There was a, there was a moment where Mephisto was in that comic book. Mephisto was is a demigod, like yep. a, a interpretation of the devil. And even Mephisto had said he thought that that these gods in Africa, like he just heard about them, like he didn't think they were real. I thought that was pretty interesting. I never forgot that. So it, when Priest Priest actually expanded the mythology of Black Panther. And then re- in recent times, Jonathan Hickman has expanded with um, Black Panther being the god, uh, being the um, the leader of the King of the Dead. So um, there is an African mythology. There is a Bast. Bast is a god. Um, and actually, I, I'm even missed a little bit of this. I think now there's even like a Black. I mean, I'm sorry, a Wakandan planet. You know about this? You know about this? Black, that there's like a, a yeah. planet that's separate from Wakanda? 
Yeah, uh, the Planet Bath. Yeah, the the intergalactic. Yeah, that's that's going to be the new phase of the Black Panther comic book coming up in May. Kind of how you close it. It was teased in the Marvel Legacy book. I remember you know seeing it. I think it was like one or two pages. But yeah, um, but to get back, I, I gotta go real quick, guys. But to get back to uh, Q Storm's question, though, um, I think in the movie what he did is that you could become the Black Panther. Once the king has reached a certain age where he just couldn't perform the duty anymore of the protector, so they kind of changed it up from the way it is in the comic book. But so they kind of separated the two out initially. Well, something else that bothered me was that, uh, listen, I've been reading Black Panther for a long time. There was always this thing about you had to be in that, uh, in that lineage to be able to accept the, the, the heart-shaped herb. Like there yeah. was a whole thing about because uh, I thought wasn't it, wasn't it wasn't it Killmonger or Man Ape one of them that that tried that herb and it like wrecked his yeah. system it didn't work for him the the way yeah. it was supposed Kill, to Killmonger tried it yeah Killmonger tried it in the priest run tried he he had beat um T'Challa he took the he took the title of Black Panther and then he ran around for like I think an issue or two as a Black Panther and then he had to go through the actual ceremony of getting the heart shaped herb and when he did. His body, yeah. Um, only people within the royal lineage can accept, can 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 absorb it into their system, because you got to build up a certain immunity to it, and it's only within that genetic bloodline. Yeah, that is they, they ch- And also, and also, anytime there was like a fighting match, which was always, which was always like a public spectacle, it wasn't like it wasn't like you had to remove the pan- the panther serum. So it really wasn't like it really wasn't where you could take that away from a, a, pan- a panther uh, a panther. Mm-hmm. I never saw that either. Like this whole thing of like right. you take you That's give it and true. take it away, you, you never saw that in the comic books. You you if you were no. fighting Black Panther, no. you had to fight the Black Panther. Period. Yeah, the Black yeah the Black Panther didn't get the powers until after he went through the rights of ascension. Yeah, yeah, he goes through the rights of ascension with no powers. Then you get the you get the heart shaped herb, and after that you just had it permanently. Yeah, you didn't get it taken away. That was never in the comic so, books. Yeah, so they there's some things that things. they they change. I mean, you know, listen, I'm not going to downgrade the movie, but that's 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 what they do. But I, I would, it would have been more interesting if they kept it where you essentially, you know, he would have taken it and he would have gotten some powers, but he would have been messed up. It wouldn't have worked out exactly for him. That would have been more well, interesting well, than Kill, him than anybody taking that herb. But remember, Killmonger's different in the movie because movie he's his cousin, so he's in the genetic that's bloodline. True. Yeah, that's true too. But they made it seem they. That's true. But they didn't really. They didn't let the audience know that. They didn't really know. They didn't let it be known. That you had to be yeah. in that lineage to take that 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 you know that that herb. Get up, call. Right, I, got, I got to go, guys. So this one quick thing right. though. Um, th- there are a few plot holes in the movie, but I think it's because of the way they edited it, edited the movie. So they did cut out a lot of stuff. I, watching the third time, I saw a lot of different edits, and you could tell where they, there was probably other scenes that should have been there. So I'm waiting for the director's cut. I'm really waiting for the director's cut. But I got to go. All, All right, right man. Always. Do, uh, do we? Appreciate it, appreciate it. Let's go to five one zero. Five one zero. Welcome to the Grind House. We got about ten minutes remaining. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? Oh, this is Miss Lady from the West Coast. Good afternoon. Hey, what's up? Hey, I, you know I didn't follow the comic book, so I don't know all the history and the ins and outs. But there's one thing that wasn't explained. I would have liked. Whatever happened to Killmonger's mother? Why That's Why uh, was his father raising him alone? And where was his mother's family? Like, were there no grandmothers, aunts, 
uncle's cousin on his mother's side? Well, that's that is interesting because listen, again, this is different than the comic books. I don't, I don't recollect they're going that, that that in the comics you actually went into Killmonger's lineage like that. But in the movie, uh, it was clear that, and it was mentioned that well, the African the African Americanness of Killmonger was with his mother. That um, that T'Chaka's brother, who ended up who ended up uh, betraying him. And you saw Sterling Brown portray him masterfully. That he killed Sterling Brown, and that, uh, but he, Sterling Brown ha- had fallen in love or had relations with an American woman. So that's and therefore that's how you got Killmonger. But how he was raised after that, uh, you know, you just heard that he went to MIT, and he was in the military, and all that kind of thing. But that that is true. We we, we, we never really found out what Killmonger's life either- was like. Yeah, there's some relatives on your mother's side. You know, it's like, was he after his dad was killed? Was he just out there by himself, grappling around in West Oakland? It, it just made, you know, it's like, you know, there is a foster care system. There is, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? So what what happened to him? Well, I mean, listen, that that is probably, I, I didn't really think of it as a plot hole, but I guess there would be a plot hole. But it was pretty much established in a vague way. That he was just abandoned, but I mean, that was the root of his anger. And also, you, you, uh, I think the beginning, the, 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 the intro of Black Panther was, uh, was his father speaking to to Killmonger. Yeah, I didn't notice that until the third time I saw the film yesterday. You're right. So it's it's kill cause, because listen, there, there, there's there's a great deal of things that we have to admit make sense. The the that. That was problematic for the royal family when they thought he was just like this, you know, this Af- this American dude coming in, and then all of a sudden he was able to speak in their language. That's because up until he was pre- pretty much a preteen, his father we can assume his father was teaching him about Wakandan culture, so he still right. had Wakandan culture. And also when when he went into his dream state, you saw those books, you saw those notes, so those uh-huh. notes. Also told him, told his son, Killmonger, everything he needed to know, or most most of the surface level information about Wakanda. So he was very familiar with Wakanda. But as far as how he was raised and what happened to his mother, I don't know. I mean, was it was it implied that he was that he was an orphan, or or that he was just abandoned of, he was cut off from Wakandan culture. No, I'm not talking we, about the Wakandan culture. I'm talking about his mother's lineage, which is, which you know, they left that out. The African American side was just kind of like dismissed. She's right. She brings up a good point. I, I hadn't even. We got one offhand comment from Zuri, Forrest Whitaker's character, saying we left the child behind. Yeah. And you know, I guess since that wasn't really the focus of the story, they don't go into any depth. I just accepted it. So that the story can move on, but it's a good point. Yeah, it would have been good if they could have said so. You know, whatever. You know, she died from whatever, and she was an only child or whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying? So because it's like, well, where? Because that's you know, I'm a woman, I'm a mother. So it's like, where's his mother? Where's his mother's family? Why is he out there by himself? His father raising him alone. There's no other extended family on his mother's side. You know what I'm saying? Yes, big. Well, for, and also, I'm just curious: is there, is there going to be a way to bring that character back? 
I'm just wondering. I would love him to come back. You know, I would I would I have would... a hard time believing that they that they're gonna let. I mean, first of all, I, mean, I know I know that's one of the complaints that Marvel has had is that the villains aren't that great, or that you know, or that uh, they did that they that they don't die. So there was some satisfaction that that there was some finality, but uh, with Black Panther, um, Claw is one of Black. It's like Black Panther's Joker. You know, you know, Claw is like a major villain. So I, I had a hard time that the way that he was just killed off. Yeah, I agree. I agree, a hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's a little weird to me. Killed off too. That was weird. I, that was sudden, and I didn't. It was weird. I mean, I knew that that character was going to be end up being what he was in a way because of the Ultron movie. In the Ultron movie, when when Ultron chopped off his hand, chopped off his arm, I said, "Okay, that's what that's the intro to him having that sonic arm on his that sonic weapon on his arm." So I already saw that with the Avengers movie. I knew that was coming, but to, then to, to then to callously like kill him off. Panther's like main. He's the reason why Black Panther uh, seeks vengeance. I mean, they change things around. Even the way that T'Chaka gets killed, he gets in the comic books. He gets killed because of be, squarely because of of Claw. So I, I don't know. There, there, there was some problems going on there. I, I thought that was a little, a little a little bit weird. We will see what happens after the Infinity War. There might be some um, <laughs> there might be some people coming back. I think there's talk of the Red Skull coming back, but the way he the way he disappeared in uh, in Captain America, the first Captain America, um, the first Avenger, you already inclined to think that he could return anyway. So I mean, we'll we'll see, we'll see. I I think the Killmonger is going to end up coming back at some point. I just got a feeling. Two minutes remaining. I want to mention one quick thing, then we're going to have to move things along. Q, what were your thoughts about this Red Sparrow movie? I I, I thought that it was just a, a complete Black Widow ripoff. I didn't quite. I mean, I don't get it. Listen, I'm not a I'm not much of a Jennifer I'm not much of a Jennifer Lawrence fan anymore. And that movie looks like Atomic Blonde redone. Looks like um, like you said, a Natasha or Black Widow story. It doesn't look interesting to me. I have no I have no interest in it whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm hearing that it, it is different. You know, at some point, thematically, it plays a little different. But when I saw the trailer, I'm like, wait a minute, this looks like, this looks like it's completely a Black Widow story. I mean, I don't, I don't want to see that unless it is the Black Widow. So I was a little disturbed by what I saw. They're saying that it's not, but I mean, if you go, if you Google Black Widow and Red Sparrow, even the fact that it's red, it's an animal and it's a color. Red Sparrow, <laughs> Black Widow. I mean, come on, man. So, something, yeah. something ain't right. Anyway, Q, as always, man, I appreciate you, appreciate you coming, coming by. Uh, I appreciate all of our support uh, and our, uh, our, our callers. I must make note again, we do have a Patreon page that's up and running, folks. Afro Radio at Patreon.com. Please, if you'd like to see us go forward, onward and onward and outward, especially a video component, uh, I leave it up to our audience to help us just in that endeavor. Anyway, I'm going to go out on some TV on the radio. This is winter, although it's not quite winter. <laughs> anyway, we had 65 degrees in New York last week. Go figure. Now it's like 40. Anyway, 
Next week, folks, we'll do it again. It's been real. Yeah.